Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Coming to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight, uh, we have our special guest, Debbie, and I'm hoping I say this right, and she'll correct me if I am wrong. Uh, This is Bakia Galupi, so hopefully I'm pronouncing that, I'm sure... Um, not pronouncing it all the way, but uh, she'll correct me when uh, we bring uh, her in. And so a little background about our guest tonight. Uh, she has requested speakers throughout the West, and uh, we will be detailing history, political, economic, and environmental issues that impact every single one of us and explain how all these issues are related to the present and future generations with an emphasis on water and private property rights. She will share uh, what she's garnered from conferences she has attended, like the 2012 United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development, 
the Navigating the American Carbon World on Cap and Trade, uh, the Western Governors Association, looks like chat conference on drought, and many fish and wildlife meetings and hearings of the Endangered Species Act. And so we'll uh, discuss uh, what do these items have to do with our behavior and future. Uh, as an avid researcher, she is a daughter of ranchers and farmers and is known for her lively and interactive presentations on the threats of wolves and to dam removals, water supply, and the people who supply our food. And so we'll be bringing her on shortly. And so definitely check out some of her links we got here on the show page uh, there. And also you can find a number of her videos on YouTube. And uh, so without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest, and that will be Debbie. Thank you very much, Debbie, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, Not too bad for three to four hours sleep uh, last night, but uh, hanging in there. (laughs) Good. Hold on. How's this? How am I now? Oh, no, you sound good. Okay, great. Thank you. No, I just make you comment of my, my my lack of sleep past couple of days. That's all. <laughs> oh, what do you what are you researching that has you up all night? Oh well, I was you know working on some show things last night and uh, just you know other things of that nature. Then I had to get up early, get my daughter off to school, and then head into work myself. Um, so so plus I probably didn't sleep well. I have a I have one of these folks that has a hard time turning their brain off. Uh, <laughs> see that as a I know that feeling. Uh, I, did, I know that feeling. You know the feeling. And I did get your email, and I know you've got uh, something that uh, that came up where uh, we'll be able to spend the whole show with us, but hopefully uh, we can spend at least half, if not some more than that, uh, tonight before uh, you need to get with your guests. And so, of course, whatever time you do spend with us uh, will be appreciated. Uh, so, first, let's go ahead, uh, besides, you know, being the uh, daughter of ranchers and farmers, tell us what got you interested in the uh, Agenda 21 issue. Great. Well, thanks for asking, and thank you for having me on your show. The things that have gotten me interested in studying and researching and becoming, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I would call myself more of a passionate specialist on United Nations Agenda 21 and all uh, environmentalism and this new age of environmentalism, I would say what got me, uh, besides seeing uh, my the stress on the ranchers and farmers who I love dearly because, you know, I love nutrient-dense, rich food. I love knowing where my food comes from. I know that in a grocery store it doesn't just come from Safeway. Somebody produces that food. My mom goes around and teaches what we call ag in the classroom and, the more we teach ag in the classroom, the more byproducts we uh, learn that come from cattle and livestock. And so, you know, knowing, like seeing the bigger picture, Robert, of what's happening and how the, the little people are going to be hurt. The little people are going to be hurt. And the people that they call disenfranchised and they want to provide, you know, the government wants to provide food stamps for and all this stuff for – those we those are the people who are going to be most impacted as this Agenda 21 uh, plan rolls out, as well as the middle class. But the other thing that I saw going on was that it was harder and harder for people to start their own businesses. My dad would tell you, you know, that he believes that his parents 
who were ranchers and farmers. They were they had their own winery. They had walnuts. They were had their own timber company. I mean, just to sustain, and I hate that word these days because it means a whole different thing from when, you know, from what ranching and farming and just providing for yourself used to mean. It means a whole different thing in the 21st century. But, you know, we went from a society that could take, who could take care of itself to a society that depends on bigger and bigger government. And as I started researching and finding out more, I really saw how we are becoming prisoners, like modern-day slaves enslaved in um, corruption that comes with bigger government and more power and what is called public-private partnerships where corporations or companies partner with the government in order to do business. So the other thing that got me involved is seeing the junk science that was being that is being used when you look at dam removal across the United States of America or even the Drake's oyster Drake's Bay oyster farm and if you research into that situation you see that the government is using junk science in order to push their agenda. So um just and and then just seeing living in the city but having parents who have a ranch and who, you know, growing up farming and ranching and seeing what was going on in the city, how they were building these high-rises, knowing the restrictions going on in the rural lands, and that the more those restrictions were going to be implemented and pushed and forced on, you know, good people who provide our food and our resources in order just to live a simple life. When you put the big picture together, when you push people out of the rural lands who provide your food, and you're building like enormous amounts, quantity, not quality, quantity, like thousands and thousands and thousands of apartments. And who's going to move into those? Well, when you put the big picture, you take away the rural areas, where are they going to move? They have to move into the cities where they're building high density. And so anyway, putting that all together and, and the attack on water, when you start putting the pieces together, it creates a very, very specific puzzle, and the and and it's undeniable what's happening once you put, start putting the pieces together. So uh, that's how I got in, involved, and I'm so grateful. I have parents who, you know, are ranchers and farmers because I still don't know if I'd be awake as mu- as much as I am today. You know, one thing we talked about, uh, you know, briefly on the phone. And is how I feel that the uh, Agenda 21 or the statists have hijacked the environmental movement. I'd even like to see where uh, those who speak out against the Agenda 21 find a more of a constructive way to not, you know, point so much to environmentalists, environmentalists so much, and maybe even environmental groups so much as uh, the statists that have taken over, uh, taken over them. Because I think what's happening is that, you know, those who are opposing uh, Agenda 21 are now maybe thinking if anything that has anything to do with uh, protecting the environment comes down the pike to think, you know, it's going to be some kind of uh, either liberal or, or Marxist ploy. Uh, Newt Gingrich even talked uh, about that as well and, you know, also talking about his uh, book, A Contract with the Earth. So is there any, in, in your opinion, is there any other perhaps uh, terminology that can be used that can you know, illustrate who we are exactly dealing with without involving the environmentalist groups or pointing uh, at them and making it uh, harder for those who truly are concerned about 
the environment and not being uh, in a state of control, uh, that it doesn't wean people or, you know, wean people away from and actually the care of the planet. Yeah. Well, you know, um, globalist is a good terminology. Um, public partner, private PPPs, public private partnerships is another uh, good terminology to use um, when explaining what's happening. Um, it's, it's, you must play, uh, pay to play, or you must go along to get along. Um, you know, I, it, but when you look at the, it, it's hard not to bring radical environmentalism into this, like the Nature Conservancy and um, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and the Center for Biological Diversity. It's hard not to pull them in because they are equally responsible, if not more responsible, um, for pushing a globalist movement. And they would claim that they are for saving and protecting the earth. But you know what? Here's like what when when we talk about, you know, oh, the planet, the poor planet, and it's dying, and, you know, we see a tree, and it's dying, and people are like, that's because of global warming. You know what? Things have a shelf life, even trees. So when there are forests that are dying, you know, and people want to say, look at that, is because we're not taking care of the planet and we're polluting it and, you know, it's dying. And I, I can't remember, I think it's Earth First where a woman is crying atrociously because she sees the trees dying and she's worried about the trees. Look, things have a shelf life. And where we become the best stewards of the land is when we start cutting trees to manage a forest you know, a trees like a healthy forest is like 150 trees per acre. We are packing our forest so thick because we think that if we pack our forest and we don't cut the trees, we're going to save the planet. Actually, the opposite happens. You are sucking up water. The barred owl, or the pardon me, the spotted owl, which has a six-foot wingspan, it cannot possibly fly into a forest that is so densely rich to fly down without cutting off its own wings, you know, as it dives down into the forest to try and just get, get a, you know, a rodent, you know, that lives in the forest because that's where their feed is. You know, when, we, when, we, when we're not managing and taking care of things as human beings, like forests, for example, or our own private property, then we're doing our own detriment. We are, we are killing our own resources. We are killing off the things that provide, you know, sustenance and as well as, um, you know, byproducts for us to use and consume as good stewards of the earth. We, if you think about what human beings, like all that we've got hands, are, we've got prehensile, we can grab things, we can think about, well, if I, if I touch a hot stove, it's going to hurt. If um, I shoot that animal, you know, am I going to consume it? What's it going to do for me? Is that plant poisonous? You know, we have the ability to think, and we have the ability to forecast, and we have the ability to look backwards and, you know, in the past and see mistakes that we've made and not make those mistakes in the future. Those, we are the only species in the whole, on the whole earth who can do that. So why is it like it, why is it that these really radical environmental groups don't think that we have the brain and the know-how and the ability 
to manage our own earth? Why is it that only radical environmentalists seem to know how to protect the earth? And, and, and then we talked earlier, and, you know, I'm definitely against the you know, control aspects, and we'll have the panelists come on as well. We have uh, Kelly on the line. We also have uh, Dan. I can't wait to hear from uh, them and callers as well. Uh, you know, so, you know, and I do consider myself a conservative environmentalist. So, you know, in a way I'll play uh, devil's advocate. I'm sure we'll have the other folks uh, uh, who will be, you know, con- contributing as well. Probably more so uh, not being as much devil's advocate as I will be, just because I feel like they're, you know, with, with being Bard's Logic Grassroots Show, uh, then just to spell it out, uh, you know, kind of see both, you know, both sides in, in a way. And so one of the things that uh, they're talking about people who talk about Agenda 21, they talk about how it's a top-down, uh, you know, from the United Nations uh, to the local governments. Uh, but it looks like there's a lot of local uh, – but their contention is is that they're working with the uh, – actually, it's the bottoms up. Well, what, do you, what would you say about that uh, on the people well, who support Agenda 21 top- saying it, it is a – go ahead. Well, okay, uh, how, how – so how well do you do you think your audience knows about Agenda 21? Well, we've had, uh, like, uh, Rosa Corey. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with her. I sure um, am. She's one of my friends, and I think she's doing some fantastic work. Yeah, she's, she's, we've, we've, it's been a while, but she's, she's been on the show before. Uh, you could, you know, check the archives. I'll send you a link with all the different shows, or I could send you a direct link. Uh, that I have uh, for the podcast uh, of her being on the show. Uh, so I'll definitely send that to you in an email. So, yeah, we've had her on. Uh, definitely, I know Kelly's going to have some things he's dealing with locally uh, with uh, Agenda 21. I'm sure Dan yeah. uh, as well. And then we have uh, Cindy, which she, when we bring Cindy in, uh, she hasn't called in yet. Uh, but I'm sure she's got things. Uh, as I gave you those bios, uh, earlier, you know, yeah. she's from Florida. I'm sure she's got some uh, tales that she can tell. You know, I know one one of the things we're kind of working on here in in my locale is, which caused a lot of controversy. What controversy is they're uh, really trying to get some light rail uh, in the in the city uh, here, which you know they just have a kind of good way of paying for it, uh, which yeah. is definitely one of the problems. Uh, but but since you know you see it, you know it's a top down. Yeah, and, and I have an answer. Uh, I I do I do want to respond to that. Is no, so agenda twenty one. That's why I'm bringing read, it up so you can have a response to it. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so I'm going to read a, a from a book called Agenda Twenty One, and perhaps Rosa Corey brought this up, but it's called The Earth Summit Strategy to Save Our Planet, edited by a guy named Daniel C. Tars, and the introduction is by U.S. Senator Paul Simon. Paul Simon was a uh, senator out of Chicago. He's uh, since passed, but this book is um, by the President's Council on Sustainable Development. Through Executive Order uh, 12852 under Clinton, so George Herbert Walker Bush in 1992, uh, just after Mm -hmm. the first Rio Earth Summit, when Agenda 21 was promulgated to the world, you know, it was announced to the world as an agenda for the 21st century based on global right. warming, climate change, and saving the planet, saving a dying planet, by the way. It was supposedly dying, and it's supposedly still dying. And perhaps it is, because maybe there is a shelf life, right? But anyway, this book was an uh, executive order. And what, um, and what executive orders are, which, you know, we, we citizens are 
lacking some education, including myself, by the way. I'm learning every single day some new things, which is great because education is motivation. So with executive orders, executive orders only apply to the government. They do not apply to we citizens. Why? Because the citizens, we the people, are to have power over the government. Things are shifting Mm -hmm. now because we simply aren't educated enough to say what is your authority, federal government, what is your authority, you know, federal, state, fish and wildlife, or local fish and wildlife, or Department of Fish and Game, now fish and wildlife, because everything is about rewilding versus game, you know, keeping you, uh, giving you the ability to go out and hunt and fish and, and get your own food, the government wants you to rely on the government. And look, government mm-hmm. is just doing what government does. What does government do? It grows. It grows and grows and grows and grows. That's what government does. So in government, government's ideas to control what? Control everything. So in this book called Agenda 21, the Earth Summit Strategy to Save Our Planet, it says effective execution, and this is to address your question about uh, top-down, bottom-up. Effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all human society, unlike anything the world has ever experienced. A major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. This shift will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. So that last sentence, this shift will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action. You are alive, Robert. You are breathing. Because of that, simply because of that, those two things, you are causing greenhouse gases just simply to be alive. So every consequence of being alive must be integrated into local, state, federal, and international levels. So it is a top-down, meaning they, Obama, the United Nations, Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich, all these political powerhouses, are going to tell you how you need to live your life. And when people say, Debbie, don't you believe in global warming and climate change? Here's my answer back. When our politicians, our international leaders, these people who have put themselves in a position to lead the world for whatever reason, when they start walking the talk, then I think we have a problem. But they're not walking the talk They are using Air Force One to go golfing. Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he is... Oh, I know they're hypocrites when it comes to that. (laughs) Al Gorn is in his jet, you know, his private jet. One thing I will uh, make a comment to, I'm going to play a brief uh, audio clip, uh, because you met Newt Gingrich, and he did make, uh, you know, write the book, I don't know if you've you've read a contract with the earth, but he he coined a phrase called green conservatism, in which... uh, by it's my understanding, he is not, you know, a supporter of Agenda 21. But let's not take my words for it. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take it. 
It's the United Nations proposal to create a series of centralized planning provisions where all of a sudden your local city government can't do something because of some agreement they signed with some private group who are all committed basically to taking control of your private property and turning it into a publicly controlled property. And I think uh, everywhere I go in the country today, people, are, particularly in the Tea Parties, are very worried about Agenda 21. It's part of a general problem of the United Nations and other international bureaucracies that are seeking to create an extra constitutional control over us, and I reject that model totally. The United States is a sovereign country. The United Nations does not authorize anything to the United States, and the United Nations does not have any control over the United States, and we want to make sure that that remains our, our core value as we go forward. Right, so I just want to you know, put that out there, that you know, at least to what I've heard from Newt Gingrich, he's definitely not a, a supporter of uh, Agenda 21. Okay. No, but he he might not be, but here's where I tell people to walk with caution. Ask him where is he talking when he's on Fox News? You know, here agenda 20 United Nations agenda 21 sustainable development, which is to control, surveil and monitor every human action. That is the ultimate 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 prison. Ultimate prison. When you, when you are breathing and you are being taxed on your breathing or just simply being alive, yeah. this is the biggest threat to, to liberty and freedom ever. This is the biggest threat. So why isn't Newt Gingrich every chance he gets in the media talking about United Nations Agenda 21? It is the biggest threat to private property. How come he's only talking about it in, in, in front of certain groups? And that would be my question for Newt Gingrich, as it is every politician I meet on the left and the right. The left wants to deny, you know, that it even exists. The right wants to say, oh, it's too confusing to talk about. People aren't going to understand it. They're going to say it's a conspiracy theory. It's crazy. It's, you know, whatever. But so you've got two parties. And this, and you know what, it keeps the party, two-party system alive is Agenda 21. So you've got one party saying it doesn't exist, that's the left, and the right is saying, well, it exists, but nobody's going to understand it, and they're going to think I'm a kook if I talk about it. So it keeps Agenda 21 alive. It keeps it divisive between groups. It calls the Tea Party out as crazy. It calls conservatives who, you know, talk about Agenda 21, like me, as crazy. When we've got all the documentation, there's a video – C-SPAN video of 1992, all, a listener of yours, all they have to do in a search uh, bar, ha look up Nancy Pelosi, Agenda 21, C-SPAN, October 2nd, 1992, and you, if you go 15 hours in this video, they're going to start talking about something called Cascadia, which is a region, which is part of Agenda 21, when you take, when you, when you take away um, cities and counties and dissolve the borders, you're going to create regions. The goal of mm -hmm. Agenda 21 to create high-density living is to create regions across the United States, only 11, and then how do you get from region to region? There's your high-speed, your light rail, your high-speed rail. And uh, mm -hmm. so when you've got these regions and people are being forced into them, that is the agenda for the 21st century. And the culprit is that we human beings are alive and we're causing greenhouse gases and we're killing the planet. And therefore, to save the planet, 
We all must live in cities where we can walk, bike, and take public transportation everywhere we go. You walk to work, it's five minutes away. Your grocery store is down, you know, two elevators or, or three floors down from you. You get to work, and you'll see this in cities. They have banners along the streets, work, live, and play here. Work, live, and play right, here. Yep, they're not kidding. They are pushing for us to be regional and to live in regional entities. And re- what people need to understand is what's extraordinary about the United States. You live in a city. You might live in a city called Belmont, and right next to you is the city of San Carlos. Well, Belmont has a different government system than the city, uh, even though it's in the same state of California. Belmont mm-hmm. has different legislation than the city of San Carlos. Well, if you don't like Belmont's legislation, oh, my goodness, move and move to San Carlos. If you don't like California's government, okay. then move to Nevada. But when you live in a regional governance, not government, governance system, there is no more moving and moving to another, there's moving, but when you move from one area to another, it's exactly the same. You're going to have the same stores, Petco, Walmart, um, uh, Costco, all these you know, uh, same stores that you see everywhere you go. When you see everything is the same everywhere you go in these regions, why travel? And then here's how Google's fitting into it. I used to work for Google. Google fits in mm-hmm. because they want you to post or Instagram or Facebook. They're all the same. They want you to post your pictures everywhere you go. They want you to travel and post your pictures because eventually you don't have to leave your home to travel the world. Because if you Not leave your home boring. to travel the world, <laughs> you are causing a carbon footprint. And when you have a carbon footprint, you're killing the planet. Well, and let me let me ask you this because in about fifteen minutes I'm going to bring the the panelists in. And my gosh, I you know, and of course this is because you know, I thought we we're going to have you longer. And I I understand you got things, uh, you know, to do uh, that just kind of came up. And, and I'm hoping we can uh, get you back uh, on the show another time to uh, you know, continue the conversation and, and talk more because it's it's definitely a fascinating. Uh, for multiple reasons for me. Now, here's my thoughts. And, and the people here on the show, especially the regulars, know I, I actually, for me being the host of the show, do very little talking. Uh, but when it comes to something like this, you know, I do talk more because, uh, you know, the environment is a is a passion for me. Uh, now, you know, some of the things that you talked about, live here, play here, work here, you know, only traveling five minutes to get to work, you know, both environmentally and practicality, doesn't sound too bad to me. Uh, now, that being said, I mean, that sounds wonderful because it's killing two birds with one stone. That's a terrible, you know, analogy to make, but it's a saying that everyone's familiar with. Uh, but, you know, that, hey, that sounds great for me, but I think what's key is, and the, and what's key in keeping what, what Wade talks about many times on the show, Debbie, is how it seems like it's becoming more of like a, we're being rolled, instead of having representatives in our government, they're more like oligarchs uh, working with uh, the multinational corporations and folks of that nature, and turning uh, the American people, and of course this will spread uh, globally, if, if you, as you will, as the serfs uh, to serve these, these new oligarchs, where it's almost like the president has become the new, uh, the new king. And yep. so we've got the, you know, the feudal system in this back. Uh, but, yep. you know, as to, you know, you know, living in these, these regional areas, I know there's you know, cities who are more 
uh, green, if you know, just to use the term, uh, than others, such like uh, Portland, Oregon. There's, they have a, a very good, uh, you know, green culture there in Portland, Oregon. But one, so you know, I like the idea of these. In a way, you know, hear me out. I, I like the idea of these these regional, you know, environmentally friendly, um, you know, city structures and things of that nature. Um, however, when it comes to you being forced to live there, that's where I, I, I kind of draw the line, where you don't have a choice to go somewhere else. I mean, if we can do something where, you know, one city's, you know, maybe more green than others or more uh, sustainable or has these, you know, living structures where you have the apartments, you know, that you go up. And, and you brought up in one of your videos I watched, you're talking about the uh, almost like a skyscraper farm, so to speak, where you, had, you said you had animals on the bottom and then the plants as you go higher and then the yeah. carbon dioxide from the breathing of the, you know, called, actually yeah, feeds it to the plants. Farm. A vertical farm. Vertical farm. Right. And, I mean, that's it seems like, you know, because, you know, I'd like to be a little bit of a futurist. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sounds like, you know, a good idea in some ways, you know. But as long as people are free to choose where to go, that's where I think I draw the line. Um, you know, then what bothers me about Agenda 21 is it's, it's they're making it to uh, the people don't have much of a choice. And I, I think if they, we could find a happy – I mean, for me at least, if we could find some kind of happy medium – between being more sustainable, perhaps having regions per se, maybe not quite regions because, you know, you have to maybe move to a different tri-state area just to get, you know, which would be away from your family, things of that nature, to be able to move to a different uh, region. What would what, what, you say about that? If there, if yeah, there's some no, kind of, what would you suggest as a happy medium? Yeah, no, I, I think that if you want to live in a city, if that's your choice, live in a city. Go for it. But, you know, my parents don't want to live in a city. They used to live in, in, in a city in California. In fact, my dad used to work for the state. And as probably everyone knows, California is going through a uh, – we, we are naturally a drought – historically a drought-ridden state. I mean, historically, we go through droughts and many, many years of droughts. But, you know, man is brilliant. And in order to use your ter- terminology, which I do not like this terminology anymore because, as I said, it makes – it means something very different in, in the 21st century, sustainability. That word drives me crazy because what sustainability actually means is control, surveil, and monitoring of all human beings in the 21st century in order – oh, my gosh, I need to probably yell at my dog chasing one of our cows. But anyway, <laughs> he's actually coming back. So where I am right now is I'm at my parents' ranch, and everywhere I look, it's absolutely spectacular. It's spectacular. And, you know, in the 21st century, under sustainable development, this ranch is not sustainable. Why? Because it's only two people living on a very large plot of land that Mm -hmm. this should be returned back to the wilderness or back to pre-1800s when settlers came in, started farming, started turning, you know, vast forests into – you know, a meadow full of, of, uh, of wetland or grass to feed cows. Um, one of my passions is, you know, as a cattle rancher, is all the livestock byproducts that come from, from cattle. And this is where people in the city, you know, you talk about sustainability, right, Robert? Here's what's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Sustainable is products that last for a very long, long time, Right? You look at leather, leather furniture, 
You look at um, uh, meat and protein, high-dense, nutrient-dense food, raw milk, beef, all those things, like beef. It's a, a cetaceous, I think that's the right word, but satiety. So it's got fat in it. It's got protein. And our bodies can you know, run on energy longer than running on carbohydrates, as we all knew. No, our federal government mm-hmm. wants us to, to move us into a high, pro, high um, what is it, high, uh, like wheat and grains and, and fruit and vegetables. In other words, a high-carbohydrate diet which high-carbohydrate mm-hmm. car- diet does not – your body is not going to last as long on the nutrients from those ingredients as well, it Well, they would. don't want us to. <laughs> right. And you look at what do wolves eat, and then they can just take a few bites out of the back of a cow and leave the cow to die for other things, which is not a good thing. And then they can run, you know, for five days and 40 miles per hour because they've, they've eaten high fat. Nutrient-dense, rich food. Well, sustainability is not about saving. Here's, here's, here's my analogy. Sustainability, this whole sustainability movement, it's all about sharing resources. So take, for example, a rental car. When you rent a rental car and you share, like cow share, bike share, um, car share, all these things, if you don't own that car, if it's a rental car, do you put the best gas in that rental car? Or do you put the cheapest gas in that rental car? Yeah, probably put the cheapest gas in the rental car. Yep. And when you return the car, is it better than what you found it? Probably, probably not. not. Probably at least equal. <laughs> or probably not, right? You've got your junk in there because you're going to race off to the airport. You're not going to take the time to go clean it and take care of it. You know it's not yours, and who knows? Nobody will ever know, right? Sustainable development is all about sharing resources. What's amazing about the United States of America is when you own private property, which is your body, better than someone else can or will. When you're moving into a shared society where you don't own anything, because under Agenda 21, private property is unsustainable. Why? Because it causes a shift in the wealth versus the poor. It's not fair. It's not fair that my parents worked their butt off to get this beautiful ranch, and someone in the city who didn't, you know, wasn't raised with the same whatever, common sense or whatever, can't create what my parents have created for their own lives. In the 21st century, it's all about, and we heard our president say it. It's all about evening the playing field. We all have to have skin in the game. It's all about diversity. And it's all about economic justice, social equity, and environmental justice. That is what Agenda 21 is. Where Sustainable development is where there's economic justice, social equity, and environmental justice. In other words, rocks have rights. If you are poor and disenfranchised, we need to give you money and help you get a leg up, which that's what neighbors do. By the way, we don't need the government to come in and say, help thy neighbor. That's what, um, And we don't need the federal government or the state and local government to come in and say, thou shall not steal, 
thou shall not kill, thou shall not murder. We don't need those things. All we need is what our U.S. Constitution provided us for. All the amendments, like the First Amendment, if you do not know what your rights are, you are losing them right now. I bet you many people on the phone or on your, uh, not on the phone, sorry, uh, on your panelists, but your listeners can't even name our five rights under the First Amendment. And if you do not, cannot name them, you are losing them. If you cannot tell the difference between liberty and freedom, because our family, you know, when I ask people what's, what's the definition of liberty, half the people say it's freedom. No, our founding fathers wouldn't say, you know, why didn't they just say freedom? But it's liberty and freedom. So obviously there's mm-hmm. different meanings. So what our founding fathers created for us and what they fought for and what they risked life and limb from over 700 years of tyrannical English rule, tyrannical kingdoms, kingdoms like democracy. You know, they were democracies, except for the difference between a monarchy and a democracy. People want to name the United States, yeah, we're a democracy. No, that's not true. That is not true because a democracy The only difference between a kingdom, a a democracy, and a monarchy is how many people rule over you. So we have a very good good analogy, or the the oligarchy that we've got now. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and what's liberty? Liberty is religious freedom. Our founding fathers created a country like no other country out there. We are it. We were to be the shining beacon of liberty and freedom. And what's liberty? It's religious freedom. So you get to come to the United States. Nobody tells you what your religious, what your religious beliefs are. There's no one saying you must, like, unlike other countries, you must be Muslim. You must be, you know, Buddhist. We don't do that here in the United States. We say whatever your religion is, you have that freedom. Mine happens to be God. I, my Savior has to, happens to be Jesus Christ. And under God and Jesus Christ, we have the Ten Commandments. Moses, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, all those things, which under United Nations Agenda 21 is trying to be replaced by a Gaia worshiping of the United Nations Earth Charter. What's the Earth Charter about? Sustainability, sustainable development, social equity, environmental justice, and economic justice. So we are seeing the a flip in our U.S. Constitution because if you can destroy the U.S. Constitution, if you can poke holes in the U.S. Constitution, then people are going to stop representing the U.S. Constitution. And what's at stake? Individual, personal liberty and freedom. And when you give up those things, you have a global global governance and a global, um, what are they trying to teach uh, students these days, that you are now global citizens, that you are mm-hmm. human capital, not that you matter. You are, and this is what Common Core is. It's you are human capital, and you are just like the rest, and you no longer, everything you have to do has to be in the common good of the public. So, Agenda 21, United Nations Agenda 21, Sustainable Development, is a very, very dangerous plan that should be talked about by Newt Gingrich at every chance he gets. should be talked about by 
you and me at every chance we get. Because if Agenda 21, the year is 2050, that they want to have the whole global plan. By the way, just to add one more thing, and then I'll I'll stop uh, until you know you bring on your guests and whatever. Is Paris 2015? So the end of Paris is what the big um, goal is for this year. What's happening in Paris at COP 21? Convention of Parties, it's the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, big conference. Mm-hmm. Obama's talking about it, and the Pope at the Vatican is talking about it, and Mitt Romney's talking oh, about yeah. it, and all these people are talking about COP21, even though they specifically don't state it. But the idea is to come up, and this is extraordinary, with the, for the first time, a global tax. What are they going to tax us on? Carbon. What is in what what is what where is carbon? Carbon is in absolutely everything we touch, everything. we breathe. Yeah, everything, everything. organic has <laughs> carbon. Yep. There's some kind of carbon in it. And so there will be for the first time in world history a carbon tax, a global tax, and who's gonna manage that? Who's gonna be the global governor or governance for carbon? And that's the goal at Paris. 2015, COP21. Well, I'll tell you what, Debbie, I definitely want to hear and read more about that. You know, you have my email address. Could you send me some some information on that? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely would like, because, of course, as we know, uh, 2016 is coming up, and uh, when the show started in 2012, uh, we were, you know, interviewing candidates, uh, you know, going over issues, things of that nature, and, you know, we would ask questions of the different candidates, and we definitely like to talk more about uh, more about that. Now, we've we interviewed you know folks from the Republican Party, is Green Party, Libertarian Party, uh, Constitution Party, you know things of that nature. And you mentioned something earlier, but I, I wish we had more time to talk about it. And you're talking about the duopoly, or you know the the Republican and uh, Democrat, both parties who are you know both kind of you know propping up in some way or another. Uh, Agenda 21, you know, for their own, you know, political purposes. And I definitely wish we had more time to talk about that. And and, and maybe we will. And that's what I said. I'd like to have you on at another time uh, to have you, uh, you know, to talk more about those, those types of things, especially, as I said, with 2016 coming in uh, and things of that nature. Def, definitely send me that. Um, and, uh, Dan has uh, some issues with his line, so we're going to hopefully get him back in. And then uh, Kelly's going to be back on shortly. But first, we do have uh, someone on at 917 uh, will be area code 917. We'll be bringing you on very shortly. I just have uh, one question, last question from our guest, and we'll get to it, but I'll, I'll get to 917 first. But first, uh, before we do that, let's hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, so let's hear a little bit from them. So let me get the audio for the Patriot Journalist Network, and you can hear more of them by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website, at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. <laughs> 
definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network, as I said, by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. So as promised, uh, area code 917, I'm getting you on the line. Uh, just uh, tell your name, where you're home from, and uh, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, Joseph from New York. Robert, it's a pleasure to be oh, back. Oh, hey, Joseph. Oh, it's great to have you back on. I was actually looking for your uh, your area code uh, here on Facebook for one of our messages, and I I thought perhaps that was you, but the, the area code I seen uh, in the message was different. Uh, so maybe you just call from different. Uh, how you been? Uh, great, great. Uh, like I said, it's a pleasure to be back on the show again. Uh, best uh, three hours of my week. So definitely always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. Here we've got our guest, uh, Debbie on. So go ahead. If there's any uh, questions or comments you'd like to make, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Debbie, uh, first and foremost, um, I would like to uh, thank you for um, everything uh, you stand for. Um, I believe that uh, our convictions and our, our values and what we stand for and the fact that we live in a, in a democratic uh, country where we have the freedom of religion, we have the freedom of speech, we have the freedom of press, we have the freedom of assembly. We have the right to petition, which are the five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment. And uh, what's great about this country is uh, we have the right to believe in our own uh, belief system, and we have the right to go out there and, and advocate for that and fight for our cause as activists. And uh, you sure uh, fight with uh, vigor and conviction and uh, I, I, I honestly respect that. Although I may differ with your views, I respect anyone who is willing to put themselves uh, out there, not afraid to uh, speak about what they believe in and not afraid to stand up for what they believe in. And that's what I believe is the systematic problem in America. Too many people are afraid to truly speak their mind. Uh, they're afraid of being labeled uh, politically um, incorrect. Uh, and um, they're afraid. Uh, uh, it's kind of like censorship. You know, you have to walk on eggs these days on what you say and what you do. It's sad, but um, it's it's prevalent. Um, and uh, you know, I I understand where you're coming from with the environment. You know, I think it's it's really really uh, important to um, as citizens and individuals, um, Americans. Uh, you know, um, take care of our planet because, uh, you know, the planet's not going to be around forever, but um, uh, there is a, a, a consequence for um, all of our actions. And, um, you know, um, I understand where you're coming from, but here's here's the only thing that, that, that really worries me. Um, you know, if if our nation was not in the current state that it is right now, uh, you know, uh, the United States uh, facing uh, domestic and international threats. Uh, economically, we're $17.9 trillion in the hole. We have $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities. Uh, and we have a uh, an administration that has definitely uh, taken the federal government and expanded it in the most unprecedented uh, manner uh, since FDR. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't buy into the notion that we the people uh, are controlled by the government. Um, and I'll tell you why. See, we the people 
by will, and you know, you call it as it may, whether they're brainwashed, whether it's propaganda, whether it's the, uh, as we call in politics, the switch and bait, either, either way you spin it, we still have an, a, 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 a political system that gives we the people the power to go to that ballot box and make that decision. And we've had a political system in place for 229 years. We've always had a two-party system. That's the way our framers framed it. And if I've always told this to Robert on many occasions on the show, if the people truly want to change, well, we've had 229 years to change the electoral system and uh, a lot of things that I don't agree with how it's run, but we have not made those strides because not enough people have chosen to. It's a choice. It's like the, the civil rights movement. You know, if, if anything, American history shows when Americans truly want change or a movement or, or revitalize America, history has shown when enough Americans want something, we go out there and we fight to make it happen, like in the civil rights movement, like in the Civil War, when the South wanted to secede from the Union. Uh, You know, there are many other examples. Unfortunately, Debbie, the sad part is, in our 229 years of history, not enough people have cared or chosen to make a movement to change the two-party system. So the bureaucracy, it is what it is. And the only thing we can do is work within that system. As Plato once said, politics is and always will be a dirty sink. That is something that cannot be changed. You can't change spots on a leopard. But we the people have the power. The most important power that our Constitution grants us is who we choose to elect. And at the end of the day, we are responsible for who we elect. And, you know, the the scapegoat of well, you know, it was propaganda, people were brainwashed, you know, people were enticed to vote uh, by being guaranteed entitlements. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. No one, put a, no one puts a gun to anyone's head, at least not in this country, thank God, when it comes to going to the ballot box and pushing that level. Nobody does that. It's called free will. However the politicians want to swing it, however they want to sell it, if we buy it, well, that's the responsibility, and that falls on the people. But at the end of the day, we control who we want to put in office. And in 2008, we elected Barack Obama. And in 2012, we reelected Barack Obama. I didn't, but the majority of Americans did. And there are consequences for those actions, just like there were previous administrations that did damage and uh, other uh, great leaders who will go down as one of the greatest presidents in history, such as Abraham Lincoln, who preserved the Union, and Ronald Reagan of the modern era, were the only true leaders who came and got our country out of the mess that it currently is. And uh, at the end of the day, um, I agree with you. We have a two-party system. I don't think it should be that way. I'm with Robert and agreeing with him on that, and with you as well, Debbie. But unfortunately, when everyone wants to go back to the Constitution and our, and our uh, founding fathers, that is the way they framed it. That's the way our country began. It began as a two-way political system. And everyone knows politics is a dirty sink. It is always going to remain a bureaucracy. 
the most we can do is work within the system. But we cannot fight a system that you cannot win and that you cannot beat. And it's a system that's going to stay that way. But we, as people, need to make better choices in who we elect. And we start, and we have to start being more informed in who we elect. And at the end of the day, yes, we are responsible for who we elect. And uh, as I always say, you know, at your own peril, you know, don't complain about the problems in this country if, uh, you know, a certain amount of people want to continue electing the same party with the same policies that bring us nowhere, that just bring us to ruin. And... Um, 2016 is going to be very important. And I think it all comes down to politics is never a choice between good and evil. It's never a choice between A and B. It's which is the less out of the two evils. It's always been that way. And yes, I do support the Constitution like you do, Debbie. But at the same time, I, I, I can't believe anyone's sincerity and anyone who would state that they support everything in the Constitution. Because if that were the case, how about people who, are, who believe in God, who are opposed to Roe versus Wade? Well, that's in the Constitution. So what really upsets me is when people say, well, we're constitutionalists and we believe in the Constitution. Yeah, and they're very good at cherry-picking what they like in the Constitution and what they don't like. And that's okay. They have the right to do so. But what angers me is if you're going to profess you're a constitutionalist and you believe in the Constitution, then at least be honest and state, and I mean this in general, not, not, not pointing at you, Debbie, then state, hey, if I'm, I'm a constitutionalist, I support every single Constitution and amendment. That means Roe versus Wade. That means every other thing that may be contrary to our religious beliefs or other contradictions that we may have. So that's why I say, yes, I do support the Constitution, but I'm going to be honest. Do I support every amendment in the Constitution? Do I think everyone fits the way I view things? Of course not. No, not at all. Uh, but I do think well, that we need to make better choices, and, Robert, 2016 will be that opportunity. Yeah, we'll definitely be uh, interviewing folks for that, and I'm um, you know, looking forward to it because it's always, it was always fun. It's a lot of work in 2012. It was a lot of fun. I don't know where uh, Roe versus Wage is in the, is in the Constitution that says that uh, that's okay, but that, that's a conversation for another evening. But let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to, to you, Debbie, so you can uh, make a comment and response on that. And then I see we've got uh, Kelly back on the line, so we want to make sure we get Kelly back in. And then we also uh, see Cindy, and Cindy, I want to be able to get you in too, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to some other callers before our guest has to go for this evening. So go ahead, Debbie, uh, with your response, and I'll bring in Kelly, and then uh, you, Cindy, then we'll go from there. Debbie, go ahead. Well, um, uh, uh, gosh, I don't even know where to begin, honestly, because just listening to that, I'm thinking we have no chance. Like, we might as well just roll on our back and say, take me, take me, take me. We, so, so a two-party system, here's, here's the truth about our history. Our politicians were statesmen. They were part-time, at the very most, politicians. Today, we have full-time career politicians. 
who, what they do is they say to us when they need to during election time, they say whatever sounds good. Then they go to Washington and they do the exact opposite. The United States was born to win. It was not born to be subject to two-party system of, of career politicians. It was statesmen, people who were dentists and doctors and farmers and ranchers who would go you know, to Washington and vote and come back and actually live by the laws in which they created. If you look at our politicians today, they do not have <laughs> to subject themselves to Obamacare. They are... Yep. They can get themselves out. They do not have to follow Obamacare. So, you know, while I thought you said a lot of great things, and, and uh, there's a lot of things that I'm, like, completely disagreeing with you, And but what I do agree with is the way that politics are set up now is to keep us so divisive that the two-party system, and at the top they're all the same, they will not talk about Agenda 21. It doesn't matter if they're on the left or the right. Agenda 21 is the most threatening thing to liberty and freedom. It is the most threatening thing to the U.S. Constitution. And if you do not agree with all the amendments in the U.S. Constitution, I'm sorry, too bad, move to another state. Move, not, not another state, move to another country. If you don't like everything that the U.S. Constitution provides for us, which is based on over 700 years of tyrannical rule, from the Magna Carta to the 16, I can't even remember right now, 28 uh, liberties and the charters in, in English rule, which is tyrannical rule. Our founding fathers wanted for all people equal rights. doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you're a slave. And here's, here's another thing that came up for me. For me. Women, if you look in, in our history, there is in no place in our U.S. Constitution that it says women were never given the right to vote. Look it up. Find it. Try and find it. And then we had the women's suffrage movement. If we know what our rights are, there would have never have been the suffrage movement because women would have been voting because they were never told they couldn't vote. Our problem is we are not educated enough to know what our rights are when it comes to your private property, and someone comes on from Fish and Game or from the Nature Conservancy and says you have an endangered species on your property, and you, through eminent domain, because you cannot run your property the way you want because there is an endangered species, your loyal title, which goes back to the King of Spain or the Guadal Treaty of Guadalupe, whatever it is on your property, whether it's a condo, whether it's a building, whether it's a ranch like my parents, those titles, they, those titles trump the federal government. They trump the, the uh, Endangered Species Act. They trump the Clean Water Act. They trump the Clean Air Act. You own your property rights from the core of the earth to as high as you can see. But most people don't know that. So when the federal government or the fishing game comes on your property, you roll over like a two-party system and say, take me, take me, take me. When we start to learn what our rights are, when we start to learn our history and what we came from, we will stop repeating the history that makes us global slaves. And that's what I invite your listeners to you know, jump into. You are a powerful person. You are an individual with 
these great things about yourself. You contribute to the earth in your own personal way. And that is why the United States is so amazing, because the United States recognizes that each and every individual, each and every individual has a right to freedom and liberty. And that is a cause that I will, you know, spend the rest of my life fighting for, and I hope I don't have to spend the rest of my life, because I actually want to go out and enjoy a lot of things, but as, you know, a patriot and someone who's going around trying to educate people, you know, it's 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 stressful, and I'm concerned, and there are nights when I'm, you know, like Robert, how we started off this whole conversation is sleepless <laughs> right. nights. Sleepless nights. But if we, the citizenry, become educated and know what our rights are, and know what our power is, and know that whatever state you are in, whatever state you are in right now, you live in a sovereign state. Sovereign means more powerful than the federal government, more just as powerful as Germany, or just as powerful as as um, France. But most of us don't know that our states are that powerful. So we think that the federal government Mm -hmm. is more powerful than your state. No, that's not how our founding fathers set up a sovereign United States. And until we start to educate ourselves, and until we start to appreciate and know every con, you know what? People are all going out to get their CCW, their concealed carry weapon. Do you know that you don't need to have a concealed carry weapon? Because where are you protected? Your Second Amendment. But we think, mm-hmm. oh no, now we need to buy a license to carry a ki- right. carry a gun. When our founding fathers demanded, they said it was your duty to carry a gun because the, fe- the government wasn't that big. Now it's big. It's huge. But at huge. that time, oh, yes, they, say that. yes, so it was your duty to protect yourself. It was your duty. Now we rely on a police department, which is being militarized. You know, the, anyway, I'll, I'll stop there and. On my <laughs> we definitely hear the passion, and I really and I, I love it. I really do. Um, I said, well, as I'm saying, I wish I wish we could keep you on uh, longer, you know, or later than what you know I emailed you about. But as I said, we're definitely welcome to uh, to come back on the show, and hopefully not in the in, in the not too distant future. But I, I do want to get Kelly on because I do want to give him the opportunity to speak with you. But I do have one last question uh, for you before I get him on. Is we got the title, and also when you sent me the bio. It says, to future generations, American or American. Uh, yeah. Give us a, a little a synopsis behind the meaning of that, and then we'll bring in Kelly. Go ahead. As I said, I put, I put that as the title of the show. It was very intriguing for me. And so, you know, I mean, I, I know the whole conversation tonight, you know, does uh, allude to that. But let's go ahead and specifically, if you can give me some specifics on that. Yeah, great. No, you know what? My presentation used to be called American and American. It it morphs as, you know, more and more issues are coming on. Like in California now, we have a lot of water issues. The idea behind American, because we are Americans, and American, is that when our country, we were born to win, our founding fathers, people who came here, you know, settled here, they were given a free land to do. It's like a clean slate. And they worked with the Indians, and I know there's a lot of history, and, you know, some Indian tribes are disenfranchised, and some Indian tribes to this day are like, thank goodness you all came along because our lives are better. But anyway, that's another topic. 
But, you know, when, when uh, and my dad would tell you, you know what, when his parents, his parents lived the best time in America because you could start a small business and you didn't have the heavy hand of a government, whether state, local, or federal, whatever it was, watching your every flippin' move. You could try a new job. You could try a new business. And if you failed, it was at the failure of your own self. And you can try another job. You could own a laundromat, and it failed because of your business, because of how you treated your customers or, you know what, you burned up their clothes. And then you try another (laughs) business, like a hair salon or whatever it is. You know, one of the businesses I do now is uh, anti-aging skincare, and it is the best anti-aging skincare out there. It's, you know, the makers of Proactive. And these doctors have tried and tried and tried, you know, to come up with this thing called Proactive, which is now in 98 countries around the world. And people in my business are making $100,000 a month. I don't know what business you can start like that in any other country, any other country, in just a year and start making that kind of money. And if anybody wants to, like, talk to me about it, call me, email me. I don't care. It's amazing. Best I don't know where else you can do that because in America you could, you can until the federal government comes in on your own private property, on your own business, and starts telling you what you can't do. And that is why I call, you know, and Agenda 21 is not about what you can do. It's about what you cannot do. So that was the whole idea behind my, and and you know what, thank you, Robert, because I think I'm going to actually start calling my presentation that again because it really does has spoken to a lot of people um we are losing yeah we are are losing a lot of things right now and you know it's common core which is part of agenda 21 it's education for sustainability as common core starts to impact our children and uh and i say our children because uh, i can't have children i don't know if i ever could but Anyway, I would love to have a family, but I don't think I physically can. And uh, my age is, you know, probably past that time. But you know what? Our children are being taken now under this thing called education for sustainability. And as teachers find, you know, as they get further and further down the rabbit hole of Common Core, teachers are going to have have to give up and test their own moral obligation. As children are being taught about sex at, like, second grade, inappropriate in my mind, or as children are being taught that the spotted owl is more important than them, inappropriate, if you ask me, as children are being tasked to argue with their parents about what they buy and what they shouldn't be buying, inappropriate, it's not part of, it's none of the federal government's business, what, how my sisters, you know, raise their children, it's none of their business. But as more and more regulations are coming down the pike, more and more people, farmers, ranchers, small business owners are being put out of business. People are going to be searching for, like I did, which when I found you know, my business with Rodan and Fields, the most famous doctors in the world, people are going to be searching for whatever opportunity they have in this short lifetime that we have, short lifetime in our body bags short lifetime to have everything they need in order to have a good life. And fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer opportunities are being made available. So we, li- we are living into a world of America- as Americans, 
that we cannot do what we used to be able to do, even simply drinking from a garden hose. So thank you oh for asking gosh, me about that. that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And I tell you what, I mean, my sister was, I don't, you know, 45, I'm not going to ask a lot of particulars. My sister was 45 when she had uh, her, her, a, a child. You don't look anywhere near that. <laughs> so you said something about your age. I said, you don't look anywhere near that. Oh, uh, thank you. So. Hey, the anti-aging well, skin care. I, anti-aging skin care. <laughs> well, well, there you go. You you, you could be the, the definitely a spokesperson because you don't look anywhere near that, let me tell you. Thank but you. I do want to uh, – I get some few things I like to make comment on myself, but I do want to bring Kelly in. And so let's go ahead and bring you in, Kelly. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you, bud? Hey, doing good, and uh, greetings from the state of Jefferson, by the way. Um, that's what we call up here in Siskiy County. And I'm, uh, hi, Debbie, I'm glad you could join us. Um, yeah, sorry, I had a little disconnect. I went swimming with my son and uh, came over a mountain pass, lost his cell coverage. But I happened upon a pheasant, and it reminded me of days growing up on an Iowa farm, and we'd go hunting pheasants. And, you know, these enviros... They keep telling all sorts of fibs, all right? Like the spider. Oh, we got good. to stop logging. <laughs> yeah, okay. This, this, I mean, when I came out here from Iowa, long story, I was in Maryland, and I came out here engineering, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when I came out here, I found out about these water wars and what's going on. I went to the bucket brigade, and I'm like, what is going on? I wasn't subject to incrementalism. But I'm looking at different things, like you look at the, uh, you look at the um, spotted owl, Okay. Well, there was a report in a paper a couple of weeks ago. The population is actually down by 3%. Wait a minute. Didn't, oh, that's right. Logging didn't affect the spotted owl. That's a little bit of a lie there. An, an attorney wrote a book, uh, Hoax About the Spotted Owl. But anyway, when um, I, I see, and Fred Kelly Grant did some things. He's an attorney. I hope you know who he is, Debbie. Um, but he's been doing some things on coordination that the localities – um, have to be involved so that the enviros don't move in like they have been when the feds want to do something. But he told stories of just lies and planting evidence that was it was complete forgery. And when um, if, if the enviros somehow make the pheasant an endangered species, that's when I'm going to leave the country because it's not even native to America. It's a, it's an Asian bird brought over here a long time ago. But, you know, these people are whacked. The environmentalists, they, they don't have their facts. <laughs> They're not professional. They play games. It is absolutely, I guess I want to ask you if you know some stories where the environmentalists have lied, forged data, played games, um, unprofessionalism. And just I don't know if you want to tell us a few stories that you know of. That was to Debbie. I'm sorry. Is that a question for me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> have you have you heard of the environmentalists? I mean, the locals here know the, know the stories, but have you heard of stories? If you could share some stories about the environmentalists forging data, being unprofessional, lying. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding? <laughs> Where do we begin on that? You know, you could begin with what in the in uh, Siskiyou County, which is a was once I think it was the uh, fifth most wealthy county in the United States, 
and now it's one of the poorest counties in the United States. And what they're Highest using unemployment rate in the state for a couple of years. Or the, the so it's the fifth wealthiest county in the nation, and now it is one of the fifth poorest counties in the nation, and definitely one of the poorest counties in the state of California. I may not have that right, so don't don't bet me bet me on that, but don't you know don't take my word on it. Um, but but just look it up. We're we were rich at one point, and now we're poor. Is the point? Well, let me add to that real quick. All right. You know, as an engineer, I look at maps and stuff. There's about 12 subdivisions that were developed before the spotted owl because the lumber industry was just booming, and um, 12 of them. And most of them are less than 10% built out. Like KRCE has like two to 300 homes out of 2,000. That's a little bit more. Lake Shastina took off. But there's some in the western hills didn't even get built. There's the city of Klamath. Or Klamathon, you know, near Hornbrook. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of these, and it's ridiculous. But they planned. The people saw the future of Siskiyou County. People poured in a lot of money, and the subdivisions are just not going anywhere. Right, right. Well, you know what? When you and and uh, this is a great question because here here's something remarkable, and this is why uh, Siskiyou County should be talked about around the United States. When you think, so Siskiyou County is under threat of the removal of four hydroelectric clean, green energy dams. Translate it another way, the largest dam removal project in worldwide history. So you, when you look at the history of the world, the history of um, current world, are this county, Siskiyou County, where my parents' ranch is, is experiencing the threat of clean, green, hydroelectric, renewable energy dams and the storage lakes behind them. So California is going through a very big drought right now. In fact, such a big drought that the governor, Jerry Brown, who was at the first Rio Earth Summit as a presidential candidate, he showed up at the first Rio Earth Summit, United Nations, Agenda 21, first summit, to announce that we must move into a new kind of environmentalism for government. So it is, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that when our, the state of California is experiencing a historic, in other words, historic, not meaning. Cyclical. It's cyclical. Yeah, cyclical. It happens. We are Mediterranean. We are arid. We are naturally dry here in California. But the only thing that has given California the opportunity to be a multi-billion dollar industry state, the fifth largest economy, I think we're the ninth largest economy now, but we were once the fifth largest economy in the entire world. Why? Because we were able to divert water. Divert water from where water was to water wasn't like the San Joaquin Valley. What's the San Joaquin Valley? The bread basket of the nation. We, just in the San Joaquin Valley, can feed the nation. With all the food that was once produced in Fresno area, San Joaquin Valley area, is now being studied for limited to no human use based on the United Nations Biodiversity Treaty for species plants, 
fauna, flora, all those things that they say, you know, creates a, a balanced ecosystem. And if you have a balanced ecosystem, then you don't have global warming. If you have a balanced ecosystem, that means you, um, if there was ever a species that went extinct, we've got to bring back that extinct species. Why? Because man is starting to play God. And so anyway, Siskiyou County is, is a test pilot for how do you get people out of a ranching, farming, timbering, mining community and push them out and moving, move them into a region. So what they're looking at, and, and this is a great question, because what they're using as their pet project, you know, the spotted owl kind of thing. We talked about the spotted owl at the beginning of this, this call. The spotted owl wants to live in a forest where they can dive down and get food. In California, there's a moratorium on our forests. Only certain amount of trees can be cut. And what are we doing? We are importing our lumber, our timber, from Quebec, from Canada. So there's a huge carbon footprint. When we've got the most rich forest here in California, and if we managed our forests, we would not have the catastrophic wildfires. Trees suck up water. We're in a drought. And, and as of Earth Day, we're supposed to plant seven more trees during <laughs> Earth, Day per, Earth Day per person, and trees suck up water. A cotton tree sucks up 20 gallons of water per minute. Just a cotton tree. So we're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of gallons of water. Plus, the other thing we're doing in California to save the spotted owl coho salmon, which you can buy at Whole Foods for eight ninety nine, is we are flushing our rivers out to sea. So if there is global warming and the glaciers are melting, and because the glaciers are melting and the seas are rising, why aren't we creating more storage lakes? Kelly, why aren't we creating more storage lakes, and why are we letting water, cubic, billions of cubic feet of acre feet of water out to sea if our seas are rising? For a fish that you can buy for eight ninety nine in Whole Foods. Well, with the, uh, it was so cool to see 20,000 people in Klamath Falls back in, I think it was 2000, 2001, because they shut off the water. And I've been telling folks here, you know, as a guest panelist, I've been telling about the wars here, the environmental wars, the water wars, and how we're under fire here in Siskiyou County. So they've already got somewhat of a preview. Um, but, you know, when they were talking about the, the EIR, about removing the dams, I did a two-play on this hey, in the sense Kelly, that Christopher Lyle. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, we're, 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 Kelly, we're, we're not in Bar's Logic after dark, dark yet, so we'll have to kind of curtail the dam talking. <laughs> So when you're talking about oh, all the dams, we got to watch when we say dam on the show. So try okay. to use the well, dam uh, language okay, okay. Uh, a little well, limited. I, I, okay. I went to the dam man. I asked the dam man for the dam water, and he said, I can't give you any dam water. So I said to the dam man, keep your dam water. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Okay, it's all, right. all about the anyway. dam fish. It's all about the dam fish because just below the dams is a fish hatchery. And they, you know, you could call them damn fish because they're like, you know, you could throw a rock to the fish and uh, or to the dam from the fish. So I think they're damn fish. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right. When I went to the EIR meeting about the dam removal, we did a two play where Christopher Lyles, he was the mayor. A lot of constitutionally minded people up here, by the way. 
we have our three token Democrats, I always go to the fair and just kind of grin when I go back, uh, go by their booth. Well, we have our three token Democrats. But um, anyway, so Christopher Lyles knew that the, I think it was called Fall Creek, they had a hatchery there. I was informing the EPA, look, you're not, you haven't done your homework yet. You have not done enough statistical um, sample set here. I got the microphone that kind of got in their face. But um, we did a two-play where he said, Chris Lyle said, when the Fall Creek Fisher Hatchery, Fisher, that's the name, was operating, they kept having fish die from the arsenic. Why? Because the range would push the erosion into the creek, which, which fed the hatchery. They finally figured it out. Well, all this water has been going behind the dam. So Christopher Lyle said that, and then I said to uh, the EPA folk, I said, look, this gentleman over here, he just said there is a lot of evidence of arsenic. I've looked at your records. You do not have sufficient tests right behind when you have arsenic of this with historical evidence of historical evidence of killing fish, and it's been eroding there for decades, you guys, professionally, you need to go at this and sample more. Because if the dam is released, the arsenic could actually kill the fish downriver. But they don't care. Professionally, they're in error in not pursuing this further. It's frustrating. Hmm. And with so, that, uh, yeah. we only get uh, a little. You know, we only get a little bit left, uh, unfortunately. Before I know that uh, she has to go, and I want to get Cindy, and we have Chuck uh, on the line uh, as well, who'd uh, like can to chime in. Can I have one more I thing, quick? From North Carolina, get yeah, Chuck. Yeah, I want to add this for Debbie's sake. Um, I got into well, I have a master's degree in engineering, and it was more wastewater treatment plants, which went into groundwater stuff. But in my career. I've done environmental consulting, and I am surprised at the number of professionals who dearly love the Constitution, that they're in the industry because it's a job. And some of these folks, I hope you can connect with them because they can be a really good ally pointing out this whole process is in error. You guys, you know, the Fed, the EPA, whatever, you, you're just full of it. Um, so I hope, I hope you, I mean, that's just a tip to you that there are, like Cheryl Blychester, Sacramento, she's top-notch. She was on the geology board protecting mining, but um, oh, she's ripped to shreds the water boards in California. She has with her a constitution and a Bible in her purse. Um, she has a Ph.D. in engineering. So there are a lot of these folks, um, like myself, that do environmental consulting, and we do love the constitution simultaneously. And, so and hope, you know, to, to that point, to that point, Kelly, you know, this is happening all over the United States. It's not, and and it's like a creep. It's like a creep. It's like a slow creep. So, for the listeners, Robert, for your listeners, all you have to do is do a Google alert for dam removal, and you will see. Because we need more dams, we do not need less. And the goal under United Nations Agenda 21 is to re-straighten rivers, all rivers, so that they are free-flowing. So when you start taking that, that right there, that statement takes out human beings. Because anywhere, look, California is a multi-billion dollar, a multi-trillion dollar industry because we have 
the ability to divert water. So you, with, if you divert water, you have agriculture, you have the winery industry. Because we were able to produce food here in California, now you have Hollywood. You have entertainment. You have the biotech industry, all these multi-trillion dollar industries. Simply because we were able to divert water from Northern California, where, where Siskiyou County is, all the way down to the San Joaquin Valley to create food that then encouraged people to move to a state that is naturally arid, arid Mediterranean. What does Mediterranean mean? It's dry. Every once in a while, it gets rain. Every once in a while, it gets water from the clouds. It doesn't grow. It's a desert until you can divert, create dams, create storage lakes for recreation, fire control, flood control, all these different things. And people move to where there's water because where there's water, there's life. And if you take away the water and if you take control of the water, then you destroy life. Well, you know what I find ironic, and then I'll, I was uh, chatting with Cindy, and she gave deference to our caller, Chuck. Uh, and, but I do find it interesting, it's, most, it's mostly the uh, liberals that are in California who are supporting Agenda 21. If they, and if they don't have water, then the liberals move out. Well, then, then where are they going to go now? <laughs> but anyway, uh, just a little, just a little humor on my part. It's like they're they're trying to run themselves out of California. Uh, no, but uh, let's go ahead and bring in a Chuck from North Carolina. He uh, sounds like uh, I think he said something about his governor is doing something uh, with Agenda 21. There, thank you very much, Chuck, for coming to the show. How are you? I'm great, guys. And uh, I tell you, the Agenda 21 uh, project is nationwide, and what they're doing in California is absolutely anti-human. But another thing you'll see in California is the use of public-private partnership toll roads. And we know what those toll roads are for. They want to stop the free free, uh, uh, flow of uh, human beings, of commerce, of uh, capitalism. And that's what they're doing here on I-77 in North Carolina. They're not only doing that, uh, speaking of Agenda 21, they're also, we are the last state. Um, whether it's a uh, Gulf of Mexico, Atlantic Ocean, that controls our own coastal waters. And they're, they're talking about handing that over to the federal government as well. But the big thing right now is there's a big uproar against these toll roads, uh, these public-private partnership toll roads that um, are, are a part of Agenda 21 to force people to live in small, you know, um, Apartments, condos in cities, riding on trains, stuff like that, and and get people moving out of the suburbs and and into compact cities. So if anybody out there is listening, please contact all your friends in North Carolina, contact our legislator, contact our governor, and demand that they stop these toll roads. I remember, you know, I was a Ron Paul supporter back in 2012, and he would talk about the Trans-Texas Corridor, which was a part of Agenda 21. And, you know, uh, the media would say, oh, he's crazy. It doesn't exist. Well, they would have billboards all over Texas with a cowboy on there saying, the Trans-Texas Corridor is going to be good for business. And the folks down there in Texas, Terry Hall and um, others, were able to stop 
the entire implementation of the plan, but eventually they have uh, they have lost a few battles. And um, McCrory here in our state, just like Rick Perry, is is trying to implement the, um, the the toll roads, which are a part of forcing people out of the suburbs. Yeah, you have. I think. Thank you for bringing that up. You have a freedom of mobility in the United States of America, which means you don't even need a driver's license. You do not need a driver's license to move around the United States of America because you are given freedom of mobility. And all these toll roads, all they do, all they are about is controlling, controlling your speed, where you stop, and how much you pay. To travel, you get you are given freedom of mobility. So anyway, that's what I have well, to say Well, another huge another huge issue with the uh, toll roads is the is the privacy issue, because as they slowly implement these toll roads, uh, you know it starts off with one or two lanes. Eventually, when they get it implemented all across the country, of course it's going to be everywhere because they know they they're never going to get people to agree to put a transponder in their car that tells the government where they're at at all times. So with the toll roads, the way it works is these aren't like you stop up and throw some coins in a toll booth. These are the ones that just take pictures of your license plate. Yep. They, they have all kinds of cameras set up to track, trace, and database every last thing that you do. And they're trying to bring it here to North Carolina. And anybody out there who's listening, please, Contact your friends and family in North Carolina. Um, we, we are making great progress. We've got some resolutions by the uh, local municipalities to um, to to uh, put a halt to the toll roads, at least a little breather, 90-day breather. And um, at constitutionalwar.org, I've got some videos up about it and uh, hope to have a 30-minute documentary up really soon that's going to be really powerful, exposing this this agenda 21 issue that is actually nationwide these toll roads these public private partnership toll roads these first started in third world countries and in third world countries i mean they're like you know lighting the cameras on fire they're they're going crazy hopefully i mean people will be more restrained than that um if it does happen here um unfortunately i think there's a chance that it might but if people stand up, if people reach out, and we can get some help from some other states that have already experienced some of this, um, that can reach out to our folks and say, look, it's a bad deal, you don't want this, man, that would be greatly appreciated. I'll tell you what. Well, well, you have to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a couple, hopefully a couple other things if I can remember. You need to stop the most states and have accepted, and most governors have accepted the Kyoto Protocol. The Kyoto Protocol is leading to cap-and-trade system. COP21 in Paris is all about a cap-and-trade system. You need to start making resolutions locally against anything that the United Nations is up to, including the Kyoto Protocol. Somebody wanted to say something? So so what you need to do, so an, in addition, like if you can create more and more resolutions, because what Agenda 21, they're going to attack you at different, different, different angles. 
And so if you can create different specific resolutions, you know, that's why they call it the tentacles of Agenda 21. Like an octopus has different tentacles. So if you can attack different areas, different tentacles of Agenda 21 and be really specific, your your state, your local uh your local jurisdiction is going to be better off. Like here in Siskiyou County, we're going to have to do a jurisdiction against wolves and certain dogs because our government has just accepted Canadian gray wolves, non-native species, into California, where if you even honk at a wolf, you can be put in jail and fined like $100,000. These wolves don't even belong here. But under Agenda 21, cap and trade, all these different things, your freedom of mobility, and it's called a vehicle mile travel tax. VMT. So they're going to start taxing you under the Kyoto Protocol, which was accepted by many governors across the United States of America. They're going to start taxing you on your vehicle miles traveled. So you're going to have to be more aggressive than they are in over 30 years of planning. You're going to have to catch up really quick. And I acknowledge you guys for you in North Carolina for doing um for being uh, very, very uh, active, and it's going to get tiring. Do not give up because America was born to win. Do not give up. Well, you, you know, that makes me uh, want to ask you a, a question here is, um, you know, Pat McCrory, the, uh, the other governors that have done uh, these types of uh, projects with the toll roads, how does um, – how does that all tie into what is going on with the um, 2016 uh, presidential election, Jeb Bush and, and some of these other guys? Well, you know, I, I think it's going to get down to another uh, globalist being elected. We're going to give we're going to be given two choices to, uh, you know, the 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 third party, whatever is going to be drowned out by media. The media is going to be for the left and the right at the very top. And so well, it's just... Well, sorry to interrupt. Hold on, let her finish, let, let her finish uh, Chuck. Real quick, Chuck, let her finish. Go ahead. Jeb Go ahead, Bush Debbie. is all for Common Core. Jeb Bush is all for the United Nations. All you have to do is look up Jeb Bush and Common Core and the United Nations and hear what he has to say about it. Hillary Bush or Hillary Clinton is the worst. She is oh, all yeah. for. She is, uh, and and so we are going to. So it's going to get down to who can afford the media. That's what we're going to get down to. Who can afford the media? The left and the right at the very top, and what the left and the right at the very top are for, are for Agenda 21. Because none of them are talking about United Nations Agenda 21. Not any of them. Any of them. So what we need to do as citizens, here's here's my thought. This is just my opinion. And it's just like Jesus Christ. He did one person at a time. Sometimes he had larger groups in order to say, look, this is what your freedom and liberty are all about. That's what you and I have to be. And we've got to be really quick every day. I either talk about Rodan and Fields because of the opportunity it provides, $100,000 a month. 
in in profit in 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 a salary and i talk about agenda 21 those are the two things i talk about i'm a very boring person but life <laughs> is short i'm not kidding i am not kidding life is short that. if i'm on an airplane if i'm on an airplane i look at who i'm sitting next to and what am i going to talk about which which topic am i going to get the most mileage from if I think this person is, you know, an environmentalist and they're not about capitalism and making lots of money, I'm going to talk about Agenda 21. And I'll pull out any one of my Agenda 21 books, and I'm going to be going through my book and making lots of noise. I'm going to be highlighting things and just going, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. I don't care if the other person thinks I'm crazy. Eventually they're going to ask me, what are you reading? Because you're making a lot of noise. And then I'll say, have you heard of United Nations Agenda 21? And they'll say, no. Every time, it's no. And that is an opportunity for me to educate someone who would never have heard about the loss of freedom and liberty in our country. Because most people are oblivious. We have, here's for all listeners, we have every opportunity, every second of the day, to educate someone on something the media and our politicians are too afraid to talk about. So you be that brave person. You be that person who's going to change the world. And it's going to take one person at a time. That's the only – because we do not have our politicians on on our side, and we absolutely do not have the media on our side. So who are you going to be? From this conversation, who do you state yourself you're going to be? You, this the whole conversation has been about education. Education is motivation. What is it motivating? What is this conversation motivating to you to do? I hope, I hope, and Robert, thank you for having this conversation. I hope well, it motivates have again. all have of us. Again. I uh, thank you. I hope it motivates all of us to see what we're losing. We are Americans who are losing, we are becoming Americans. And are you willing to let freedom and liberty pass you by and pass future generations by simply because you were too afraid to speak out? I hope not. Shame on you. I hope not. Well, hey, Debbie, uh, I know you got to go, but uh, I'm going to throw out some thoughts about some things going on locally where – there's some legitimate two issues that there's a third that people didn't see with our local ordinance. I know you got to go, but uh, from this experience, I can see how Agenda 21 is progressing. It's point like frightening. And, of course, working with government agents, some you give them an inch, they take a mile. Horror stories, I can tell you. But, yeah, you probably got to go. But the... Um, it's just, it's absolutely mind blowing. Um, today I found out I may have been may have been lied to regarding the ordinance from the man who wrote it. And trying to figure it out, I wrote an attorney. Um, it, it's absolutely like what? Either the guy didn't know what he was doing, he doesn't understand legalese or the implications. He's incompetent, or D, it was a point blank lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you got to go, but. Oh, no, yeah, I, I want to hear. Like, well, 
because here, here's, and this gets back to what Robert brought up a long time ago, like the top down, bottom up. The top down is we're all supposed to think globally, but we're all supposed to think locally. What's the solution? The solution to combating Agenda 21 is you start thinking locally and you take back your government locally. And what what we are all looking for as far as stopping Agenda 21 is some community, some city, some county, some state taking back their state from these, you know, unelected, self-appointed COGS, Council of Governments, who are making decisions not based on elections, but based on Agenda 21 policies, sustainable communities, um, global warming, climate change, all those things. Those are all about Agenda 21. So what we need to start doing, and it's 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 um, like turning incrementalism. Uh, uh, Kelly mentioned incrementalism. It's like turning incrementalism backwards. So we're going to take back our own community, our own neighborhood. We start with our neighborhood, and we say no. And then we stay, take back our own county, and we say no, you're not going to do this to us. Then we take back our own city, and we say no, you're not going to do this to us. And as we keep saying no, this is our authority. Uh, and and it, gets grow, it grows and grows and grows, so it comes from local to global. And then we start taking back the United States of America. Hi, Rancher Rich. How are you? So anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's all about saying this is what my this is my property. You cannot touch it. But most people do not know what their private property rights are. You do not know what your authority is. I challenge all your listeners to think about really what their authority is. They don't. Dad, I heard that. My dad said Debbie can really carry on. You Well, that's fine. <laughs> most tell, people tell, get him on the phone. We'll get some insight. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, well, it's really well, defining what who you are and what your authority is in your lifetime. And if you're willing to roll on your back and say, I'll take it, then you know what? That's what you're going to get. But if you're willing, and this is people in Siskiyou County, I would rather die on my feet than live a second on my knees. And a second on my knees is what? Slavery. Yep. Wow. I would would rather die on my feet than live a second on my knees. And that is what United States stands for. We are not about slavery. We are about freedom and liberty. Well, let me tell you about the planning department. Um, Richard Tinson, a.k.a. Rico, seems like a decent guy. Except I asked him if he knew what Article 9 and 10 was of the Bill of Rights. And it was deer in the headlights look. But last night he spoke at the Tea Party. That was pretty cool. You know, it was kind of, you know, the Tea Party wanted to give, or at least the leader expressed, uh, you know, let's kind of hear both sides. Well, he was going on about the general plan, planning department. He said, oh, this is the Constitution on land use. What? I just thought I'd be polite and listen. This is the, your general plan is the Constitution on land use. No, the Constitution is the Constitution on land use. Um, I kind of take the guy as a friendly guy. He's got a job. 
you know, I don't think he has necessarily any political agenda. He may not be. Somebody asked him about Agenda 21. He says, I don't know. I've never really heard of it. And he, I, I believe him when he said that. Um, but are there other things driving him, like state law, which they're in that, that position where they have to implement state law? So we have some state house issues coming down on us in Siskiyou County. Um, but we have a local ordinance, and it's real frightening in the big picture, because if we're, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to raise red flags. I've been working way too much on this. I've got other stuff to do. But I'm, I'm, there's three issues that this affects um, regarding land use. Two of them are driving them very heavy. The third one is overlooked. One is marijuana, because the locals here want to curtail it, and I don't blame them. In fact, I support them in the sense of gangland, because there are certain people from across the ocean, to be politically correct, who have come here, bought land. They're getting ready to grow 99 plants. These people, yeast. I had a client all freaking out. He was called me up and said, I don't know if I even want to build now. I said, what are you talking about? These people moved in with a makeshift house. They got 99 holes. They're going to grow pot. Yeah, it's just gangland. So I can understand we need this enforcement arm to prevent gangland in the county. Um, and then there's the other issue. There's a, a kid's camp that's beyond their use permit, and they have too many people, too much noise, too much traffic, dust, blah, 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 blah. Okay, don't know much about it. I understand. These two are driving it. But I'm looking at the third issue. It affects private property use. And I'm raising red flags. My theme is we need to look at this a lot more carefully. And I put a video today, together, $1,000 a day. Greg Flucker, the um, head of the Community Development Department, he did say in front of the supervisors, yes, $1,000 a day is theoretically possible. So I met with him, and he's like, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're just not going to. Greg, I'm not worried about you. We've got good people in county office here. I'm not worried about you. Changing of the guard five, ten years. And then he even said, and I brought a witness to make sure, said, $1,000 a day, what about this? Well, that means we would have to go out and ticket every day. Oh, well, that's not so bad. But I look at his, this is right out of the ordinance. Each and every day, any violation of this code shall be deemed a new and separate offense of anything in this whole chapter. Oh. And then you go to another part, in the misdemeanor part, there's three ways to enforce it. There's the administrative, which is actually kind of nice. There is this, the uh, civil part where the county can sue somebody. And the third part is criminal action. And it says any person convicted of a misdemeanor shall be punishable by fine, but not more than $1,000 for each offense. Oh, wait a minute. We go back to this other section. It says shall be deemed a new and separate offense each and every day. Is he not understanding the law? I mean, if you build an addition without a permit. Okay, let's start. Let's do a garage. A garage without a permit, okay? You get your warning notice and you get your citation. Under the criminal misdemeanor part, yeah, theoretically, it looks like it, $1,000 a day. Well, what about a deck? What about a fence over six foot tall? What about a retaining wall over four foot? What about 10, 15 tires? What about the list goes on and on and on? 
because I've, I've worked code compliance, at least six in this county and other counties as well. You give a government agent an inch, they'll take a mile. And so I've got to get some clarification because I'm hearing this, oh, we're not going to do this. Well, then why don't you write it down? And I propose to him, here is the schedule to maximum fine. Okay, the criminal marijuana element, $1,000 a day. I have no problem with that. But I, I, I break it down lower and lower and lower costs. Agricultural use. Let's break down this maximum fine by use. Agricultural, $25 a day. Put that in the code to protect ranchers because of the abuse and misuse I have seen government agents do in other counties. It's very frightening. I had a client, he never paid me a dime, but he brought me in way, way late. This is uh, Bay Area. He lost $1.2 million. I said, you got to hire a planner. Tell your architect to stop. Don't do any more grading, no more wells, no nothing. you got to stop, get a planner. And don't even, you know, I'm half up front 15000 but don't pay me until you get a planner. He didn't. He lost $1.2 million. Marin County, oh, my gosh. One client, I said, I can't help you anymore. Get an attorney. He won. Another one, he lost. It, 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 it just the incompetence. I mean, I want I want to go through the Bay Area in a Paul Revere horse and scream at the top of my lungs. The incompetence are coming. The incompetence are coming. The, and it's ridiculous what clients have had to pay to resolve problems that didn't exist. It's just I, I'm just I'm just frustrated. So when I see this. I know they've already passed the first round. The second round's coming. I know they're going to pass it. But all I know I can do is work with the planning department to change this to make sure private property use is protected and not fined heavily. A lot of ag people, they have a lot of junk. Why? Because that's the way it is. And on farm, we had junk. I, I would say, I would say, Kelly. You know, my dad. If you drove up to our ranch, you would see a big pile of. Some people would call it junk. My dad calls it calls it a resource pile. He mm -hmm. does not want to have to buy new equipment. He wants to use and preserve. And this is what's like going back to again the beginning of uh, the conversation with Robert. And I just want to thank you guys for having me on. My dad does not want to have to buy new equipment. He has great equipment, just like livestock. When you look at how long furniture lasts, if it's built with livestock, leather lasts forever and ever and ever. And the more we get into recycled material, it does not last. It has a shelf life. Indians knew. Our Indians knew that if you were going to protect your skin from the elements, you needed leather. They knew. Why aren't we using that basic common sense today? Now, all of a sudden, because cows fart and burp, and they emit methane gas. <laughs> Is it after hours yet? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a cattle rancher's daughter. I'm sorry. Cows burp, and they fart. No, and that's okay. <laughs> and it's methane gas. Who cares? The earth is able to, God created our earth. It has lasted through volcanoes and dinosaurs and floods and all this, like millions of years of, 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 of history. And why all of a sudden, because we are in the 20th century or 21st now, but 
Why all of a sudden, because of the 20th century, why all of a sudden, because of human beings in the 20th century, is the earth not capable of, of responding and living? It's because you have modern technology. You have what is called, now called technocracy. You have scientists who are a little bit crazy, who are using science and technology to control the world. That's the only difference in the 21st century from the 19th century. That's the only difference. People are trying to control the world. They see an opportunity with technology. Computers, GPS, smart meters, well, meters on your wells, all these different forms mm-hmm. technology. You know what? If you chip a human being, you can track everywhere they go. What are our mm-hmm. wolves, our pet project wolves? They have GPS collars. How is that natural? It's not. It's not natural. So you have a bunch of powerhouse people who think that they can control you and they can, they can create a wealth gap unlike ever before. Al Gore? Mm-hmm. Not... Look how many houses and mansions and how, what his carbon footprint is. Oh, I know. He's a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to throw out a couple more thoughts about well, the planning system. I'll this one real quick. quick Kelly, I'm going to get real, real quick, Kelly, I'm going to get her the link so that she can uh, listen to the extended period. But, you know, I, I know we were hoping to, to have on the, the whole show, but she's got to, and we definitely want to, uh, you know, open it up where you know she's welcome and, and she'd like to come back for another show. Yeah, but I do I, want to. Uh, we're, I do want to we're, my mom made beer can chicken, and where you put mm-hmm. a beer inside of a chicken and it explodes and like creates this really good juicy meat. And I know. It's oh my gosh. We should all be we should all be vegetarians and vegans at this point. So, anyways, everybody's sitting down for dinner. So I'm going to have to like jump off. Right. And enjoy. No, I understand. I appreciate life. you staying later. <laughs> thank you, and thanks for having me. And I'd love to be back. And and Kelly, thank you for you know introducing me to Robert. It's been just such an extraordinary uh, fun time. And I hope that if anything, I've just you know added one thing to your listeners that has them think twice and say, you know what? Okay, so our seas are rising. We're destroying all these perfect hydroelectric, clean, green energy dams. That does not make sense. So if I was, like, able to just say, like, one, like, wow, okay, she might be onto something, then, you know, I'm, I, 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 I feel like I've done, a, you know, what I set out to do. So hopefully I did that. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. We definitely are interested in uh, having you back on, uh, uh, Debbie. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, I appreciate a second witness as far as the water wars we're facing here in Siskiyou County and the wacko environmentalists. Yeah, I'm glad and, that you, and you, you know can what? come and you, you can even talk. You can get into whole like conversation about how the Indians are being like duped again, mm-hmm. and and Except into the Shasta, their, they're good people. And, and, yep, and 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 you know, there's a lot of Indian tribes who are being duped and fed by the federal government and billions of dollars. You know when this is all said and done, and you look at Indian tribes and you know how the the most of the tribal members are kept poor, but when you look at the leadership, they're very very wealthy. They have their own planes, they have their own pilots, and 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 they go to dermatologists in San Francisco to get their 
bad acne scars, you know, uh, you know, fixed. People have to start looking at even Indian tribes and how the tribes are being managed to start looking at, okay, wait, wait, I thought this was about, like, redressing the Indians. No, it's not. It's about power and control. It's about money. Mm -hmm. It's about a lifestyle that provides for a certain small percentage while the rest of us are being thrown out literally to the wolves, literally. So anyway, so am am I free to go at this point? I can't wait to come back. I honestly, and I'm sorry, I can't. Oh stay yeah, for definitely. The whole... Oh yeah, so, yeah, certainly. Okay. You, can, you yeah, <laughs> we appreciate you really do. Uh, you, you staying on as long. We don't want your dinner getting uh, cold, and uh, I can tell it's a, a late dinner even there in California because I know it's midnight here, so it's about nine p.m. there. So uh, definitely enjoy the chicken. Uh, I'm gonna have to uh, look into that. Uh, Recipe at some point. I don't cook much, but maybe I'll find someone who does. <laughs> <laughs> I well, could try that as well. Well, God bless you, and God bless all your listeners. And Kelly, God bless you, and thank you for having me on. Well, I'm glad. Hope you come well, back. Well, thanks for attending. And I'll send you uh, the link to the rest of the show, and we'll definitely uh, like to invite you back on. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so all right. much. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Well, folks, and I do appreciate uh, her coming on. I'll convey that uh, when I send her uh, an email later. And, yeah, we just certainly don't want to have uh, have Rita, you know, since uh, she did spend, you know, a half hour longer on us uh, than uh, we had read that we had planned because uh, her, her family came in uh, the town, so it's great uh, that she's going to be able to spend some time with them. And I'll definitely uh, get, you know, find a time uh, to have her back on the show. She's a very busy person, so. Hopefully it's not too uh, far in the distance because I know for one uh, we'd like to give her back to Kelly. I know there's more you want to discuss with her about, and perhaps uh, you guys be able to correspond, uh, you know, you know, off yeah. air well, as well. So maybe we could facilitate yeah. something like that. But well, so, sorry about uh, that. I, I, we didn't get able to get all of it out. But okay, no, that's fine. But the uh, now that we're after dark, we can use that damn word again. Um, <laughs> well, let's, well, anyway. well, 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 damn it! Let's go ahead and get Cindy in here because I really like to get her uh, get her on. And then uh, we do see that uh, we have Joe still on the line as well, which is great. So it looks like it's uh, uh, just us panelists at this time. Uh, we had a couple folks who were on, but it looks like uh, midnight might be late for them. But uh, well, of course, we always have the extended period that they can listen to later. So let's go ahead and do it this way, Kelly, because we're still good. We have about an hour, not quite, because, you know, I have to shut things down. Uh, but let's go ahead and get Cindy in. Let's bring it back to Joe, and then uh, we'll, we'll bring some more of your thoughts in. And um, I might throw a smidgen of my thoughts in as well. But first, let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. I apologize uh, if you're not getting the opportunity to speak with her. I was hoping that uh, Chuck was stay on the line as well. Uh, perhaps I'll have to speak with him off air at some point if we get that opportunity uh, to let him know he's, he's more than welcome to uh, stay on, and we'll try to get him in as much as we can. I hate to interrupt him when he, we try to get in, but, of course, we always give deference to our guests uh, when we can, especially when they uh, have to get their points out and are getting ready to go, as, as she was uh, doing in that last half hour. Uh, so go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Cindy. Oh, did you say Chuck is on the line still or not? No, unfortunately, he's not. Yeah. Uh, maybe he thought well, that he, we weren't going to bring him back he, in. 
Yeah, he told me that he uh, probably wouldn't be able to stay on for very long, but I'm glad he came on and told us about the North Carolina issue because I have a lot of um, friends and relatives that live in North Carolina, and uh, I'm sure they'll help us out on that. Uh, We know we have a wealth of informed people, uh, just just the ones that come on this show, uh, that will educate us on this issue. There are a lot of people who have done a lot of good research about Agenda 21, and you know it's not really hard to 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 uh to figure out what's going on because they're very they're very open about it um, now one thing I have noticed they have begun you know as as whereas before when we were all sleeping, everything was done uh out in the open in public through this treaty and that treaty and this this organization and that organization, and then of course Ickley you know, became nationwide. And so uh, everything was, you know, uh, visible. Now, like in our county, we were able to force our county council give up its relationship with ICLEI. But now I do believe that it's still going on in the background. I I believe it is still happening. And Cindy, for those who uh, may be not as familiar with ICLEI, as uh, some of our listeners and folks are on the line, uh, could you give us what that acronym is and what it means? I couldn't understand you, Robert. What? ICLEI. Some they might not know what the what ICLEI stands for. Some of the, oh, some oh, of the listeners. Uh, well, let's see if I can remember. It's the uh, it's the We're just so used to calling it Ickley, that's what you call it it's, now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's Ickley, and it, it stands for um, the like the international. Gosh, I I can't remember now. Hang on. Um, international convention or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's the international convention of. Oh crap. <laughs> Oh, why can't I ever remember stuff? That's a shame. <laughs> um, <laughs> International Council for Local Environment Issues. Yeah, I think it's International. Yeah, International Council for Local Environmental Issues, I believe is is what it's. Don't quote me on that. I'm just yeah. trying to go from my from my memory. But anyway, it's very much a local program now. Um, they took what was supposed to be a global initiative, and they pared they 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 didn't pare it down. They expanded it by. Um, you know, it wasn't as easy to get it into the United States as they wanted it to, and they figured that the best way to do it was to go into the local level, um, uh, you know, county councils, city councils and such, and get things going there, uh, even statewide. And uh, so they came up with this organization, and they... They began to, I mean, they have an army. They have an army. And they began to infiltrate all these little government entities and setting up these relationships and doing their little 
la, 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 violin, you know, sad thing about the earth and global warming and blah, 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 blah. And so they convinced all these gullible politicians, um, many of them Republican as well as Democrat, that, you know, we're the earth is in big trouble and that we needed to do something about it, and we had to work on the local level. And nobody can argue, hey, yeah, we want clean water, we want clean air, but that's not all they're about. And, um, and Cindy, real, real, real quick, uh, I was, I, I'm sorry for putting you on the hook. Um, I knew what it stood for. I just, <laughs> I just was wanted to get out there. It's International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. Oh, so, sorry for putting you on the hook on issue. there. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, International <laughs> Council for Local <laughs> Environmental Initiatives. I just, I thought, you know, okay. I thought I'd just let it hang out there, you know, because you didn't know. But I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and and, and no, tell I, where I, it is again. I, <laughs> I fully, I fully expected to be corrected because if I wasn't right, I wanted it to be known. But I was just trying to go okay. by my memory. Okay. So anyway, um, like we brought up California's water problems a couple weeks ago. They want to take water from farmers, okay? They're, they're gonna, they want to shoot their own economic foot. Um, I lived in the California desert for about three months in, seven, in 1973. Uh, I went back again for two weeks in the 1990s. The farming industry had increased exponentially since, since I was there in 73, and, and so had the amount of rain that they were getting. The humidity was way up. I never sweated. In 1973, I, I could be outside all day long, and I'd never sweat. In, in the 90s, all of a sudden, I'm sweating. And, and so not only humi- humidity is up, but the economy's up. The desert has way more plant life than it did before, and yet they want to turn it back to a desert. They want to ruin the farmer. They want to go back to dry air. Why? What benefit do we possibly get from that? Nothing. As a country, as a people, nothing. But as our guest pointed out tonight, elite politicians do get a benefit. They get to control all life on the planet. They get to say how many people live, who lives, what age you live to, what you'll produce while you're living, and what you'll do under slavery when you when they get you there. Okay? What can you what what you will be able to do for them? So um, uh, we got Ickley out, but you know now they're underground. In our Florida legislature right now, we've begun our Republican-controlled Congress up there has begun the process of creating a miles tax on cars. Uh, if you travel a certain amount of miles or use a certain amount of gas. Or like if your car um, only gets a certain amount of gas mileage, you're going to get charged for that. Um, now, if that was just because they wanted to save me money, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, you know, get get yourself a car that has better gas mileage. But the thing is, I'm a decorator. I have to have a big car full of all this decorating junk. Okay, I have to... I have to drive something that doesn't take, you know, I've had a family, a large family. We went to water ski tournaments. We had, we had three event bags for all three of my children. Um, you, you don't, you, you got all your suitcases plus the three kids and the two adults. 
and sometimes the dogs win. There is no room in a Ford Focus <laughs> for all that, okay? So it, it, it takes away my freedom to move about as she was talking about. It takes, about, it takes away my freedom to move about. And so now and what they also want to do is they don't want to just do that. They want to limit how far in the country I can drive um, and which roads I can drive on, which corridors I'm allowed to travel in. Um, now, if I have to go to California from Florida, boy, I better have a really good reason to. And um, I have to go the way they tell me I have to go. Um, um, this um, sustainable means return to its original state. Well, this is how hypocritical they, these people are. We have a park in our county, and they planted all these big, beautiful oak trees in the park. Um, they have shade. They have bike trails. It's all, you know, beautiful and everything. And now they tell us they had to cut down the oak trees. So they have cut down all these big, beautiful oak trees in this public park because they want to go back to the original state that our that property was in, which they believe was palmettos, sable pines, and pine, and pine trees, et cetera, et cetera. Well, who says that that's how it was originally? What if 6,000 years ago it was a forest full of oaks with some pines? And whatever. What, what if it was a totally different plant than we even have today? What if there's all kinds of plants that have gone extinct that used to be here? Well, they don't know that, and yet they want to tell us what was here originally. All they can do is say what was here a few years ago, which, which is whatever's on record, or they have drawings of. Well, my woods in the back of my house, have naturally changed themselves. They used to be a pine forest. My sister and I were just talking about it the other day. She used to ride her horse through, right through this property back here, and there was nothing but pine trees there 45 years ago. Now there's hardly any pines. It's mostly uh, scrub oaks, oaks, palmettos, and things like that. And it has evolved into a oak-dominated wood. There's no help from anybody but God that that happened. It's just a natural process. And yet they think that they can tell us what used to be there and what ought to be there. And I just think that's ludicrous. I just think that's totally ludicrous. You know, somebody was mentioning a two-party system, and I don't remember if it was Joe or who, but somebody was talking about the two-party system, and and I just Joe wanted talking to about it, so I'm gonna, we can we can bring yeah. him in on that uh, if you if you're coming. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, in in the the original, um, uh, you know, the founders when they founded the country and they founded it under the Federalists and the Democratic Republican, the Democrats, Democrat Republic. Republican was one party, and then the Federalists were the other party. And basically, if you look at what they were talking about at the time, there's 
probably the only reason they needed two two uh, parties was because everything was so much more simpler. It was just a simpler time with simpler problems and well, maybe not simpler problems, but the the answers were simple, and uh, there weren't as many differences between them. They had a lot more things in common than they had different, and I guess. They just didn't need anymore. But today, the way our society is so varied and so expansive, uh, we probably could use it. But it's not something that was written in the Constitution like this is what you have to have. And the two-party system just came out of a natural um, way of uh, doing business in, in politics. Um, but anyway, the, the the fact is there is a Republican platform and there's a Democrat, Democrat platform. There are two parties, right? But the problem is not that there's only two parties. The problem is that those two parties have merged and those now we only have one party. Um, you go to the Republican website, you can get a copy of the Republican platform, Go to the Democrat website, you can get a copy of the Democrat platform. And they're totally different. But the Republicans that are in leadership now have totally ignored our platform, the, the Republican platform. And that is where the problem lies. Um, the, the, the United Nations remains in dire need of reform. This is, this is what comes right out of the, the Republican platform. Okay, on page 45, it says, the United Nations remains in dire need of reform. We strongly reject the UN Agenda 21 as erosive of American sovereignty, and we oppose any form of UN global tax. Okay, that's in our Republican platform. That is not how Republicans have governed out of Washington. It's not how Republicans have governed out of the state house. Is that your state platform or national? That is the national platform. Wow. That's what it says. That says on, on, on page 45 of the Republican platform. It is exactly what they say. And yet they are not governing according to it. That is where our problem lies. It's not that we they don't, don't understand it. They don't understand it. Well, they they understood it enough to put it in the platform. There was enough people that voted it into the platform. The problem is there's not enough people to hold our 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 politicians that run on the Republican platform accountable for how they fall off of our platform on issues like this. Uh, and it, it's just incredible to me what we are allowing them to do and it is us allowing it but uh, but I thought it was interesting that the Republican platform actually marries those two issues it's under the same heading of the UN under the United Nations heading um, it, it marries the two issues of the United Nations reform and Agenda 21 they put them together because that's exactly what it what it's about. Let's go ahead and bring uh, Joe back so you can make comment on those or uh, other things that he's heard uh, this evening. Go ahead, Joe. 
Uh, it's good to have you back in the show. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'd have to say I was not enlightened by the Debbie Doctrine. Uh, by the what? By the Debbie Doctrine. I'm being facetious when I say that because I've heard many individuals like her who I respect what she stands for, but you know what's a sad thing is, Cindy, and I think you will agree with me on this, is the lack of not being able to have healthy political discourse. She was referring to how divisive we are, but yet she was very quick to tear down my views, which is okay, because that's her First Amendment right. You see, I believe we have the right to differ, but I also believe we have we should be able to respect one another's views instead of having someone self-profess that they know all the answers and the solutions to our problems. I've heard that before. Just to state for the record, as a loyal listener, and as a loyal listener of Bard's Logic Radio, most of the li- most of the listeners who call in happen to be very educated, happen to be very knowledgeable. They call into the show for a reason. They call into the show because this show provides a platform for people who are informed and for people who are able to have healthy political discourse and be able to share their views and their opinions and uh, with uh, the rest of the audience. And that is what makes this show stand out from many others. So I'm sorry that she feels that, quote, most of the listeners are not educated or they don't know enough about the issues, but I'm going to respect her view. You see, I'm not here to um, mow down her views just because I I believe that uh, it differs from mine. But at the same time, um, Agenda 21, that's all I've heard throughout this whole conversation. And as as she was trying to encompass all of America's problems into Agenda 21. And believe me when I say with all sincerity, I wish it was that simple of a matter. Imagine if all the plagues that belittled our great nation of ours were just pertaining to Agenda 21, Cindy, I'd have happy hour with you right now. I'd have a drink and toast. But I'm going to tell you the reality of the matter. The reality of the matter is we face a deficit of $17.9 trillion. The CBO, which you failed to mention, is the Congressional Budget Office, estimates by the time Barack Obama leaves office will be at $20 trillion. At the same time, Social Security and Medicare is due to go broke if we continue to sustain the spending path, while we have ISIS that is threatening us on our national and foreign domestic fronts. We just had an attack in Texas a few days ago, which no one has, which she failed to even mention that 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 had any importance or relevance, where two uh, Muslim radical jihadis, which ISIS stated today, if anyone uh, in the news, that they uh, were behind those attempted uh, attacks where they tried to attack a free speech event that was held in Dallas, I believe, uh, because they were upset that there was a a, a group 
that opposes uh, uh, jihad and um, radical Muslims because they were drawing a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad. Hey, Joe, can I can I just say this? Because before you go too far uh, in defense of Debbie, I, I have to say that I, I don't think that she, if she was on right now, I don't think she would say that, yes, Agenda 21 is the only problem that is uh, in the whole world and and that nothing else, uh, uh, you know, matters but that. I don't. I don't think she would say that. I think what she would say is that here in the United States, um, a lot of what is coming in the future is going to be as a result. A lot of pain and suffering that is coming in the future is coming as a result of the policies of, of Agenda 21. Now, I happen to believe that we are tolerating Islam right now because of their, uh, the globalists wanting to take over uh, everything. They are using the Islamist movement to, to allow chaos in the world because they know that the more chaos there is, the more breakdown of our freedoms there is because all of a sudden we fear things. And then out of that fear, we allow ourselves to be watched and and investigated. We have lost our privacy. Uh, the NSA is spying on us everywhere in all different things that we're doing, probably even on this show. And um, that that those things that are uh, the the collapse of our dollar, uh, the collapse of our economy, is all part of. That and Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is just one of their plans, mm-hmm. just one of their strategies to bring America to its knees so that we no longer have our sovereignty, we no longer have our economy, we, we, are, we no longer have our freedom. And so now we are people who can be controlled and placed into slavery. So I don't think she would say that it's the only thing that is causing our trouble. Right. It's not the only thing. It, all troubles don't come from Agenda 21, but the problems do come. All of our problems do come out of the globalist, one-world order drive, progressive movement, and, and Agenda 21 is one of their strategies that they there's it's like a three-pronged strategy collapse the economy allow violence to increase and uh grab control of everyone's movements and 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 listen i population control it's all about population mm-hmm. oh control. yeah i was going to mention and, that tonight yeah i was going to mention that pop- tonight Population, they want to eliminate at least 50%. Even the people who argue, even the people who believe in population reduction, mass population reduction, even those people argue within themselves. Some want to eliminate as much as 85% of our population. I'm talking about the population of the world, okay? It's anywhere from 50 to 85% of the population of this world that they want to eliminate. 
all of those strategies can be summed up in 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 those three areas uh, of of how they work and right. and I think that this is just so much more strength there's so much stronger uh thick here in the United States with this agenda twenty one stuff and they, they brought it. Go ahead, uh, Go ahead, Joe. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Cindy. Go ahead. That's okay. No, I I just wanted no. to say that, that that's the reason she's emphasizing Agenda 21 right. is because that's one of no. the main uh, strategies they're using here right. to gain, gain control. Well, I mean, to be in all fairness, I, I can't assume what she would say or not say if she was uh, speaking right now um, as we are speaking. I can only go on based on what she stated. And it seemed that she had a very limited platform and that's her right to do so. I mean, it seems to me if she wanted to bring up other platforms, she had ample opportunity to do so. I I can only go based on what someone states. I I can't assume what someone is going to say or or hypothetically. Um, But... um, you see, well, that's her thing. Well, that's her niche. Her niche is Agenda 21. That's that's where that's, she has that's her, her niche time. And, and, and she's entitled yeah. to. My niche is, this is what I do. Um, I, I campaign. Uh, I, I I know what the uh, political process is, is, is uh, from the inside and out of the mechanisms of a campaign. And a lot of people fail to have an understanding of that and how that works, and how integral of a part that plays. And uh, you see, what I do is I, I, I must do, and I must stand up for the causes that I believe in. And what I'm doing right now as we speak is I'm listening to the American people. I'm listening to the majority, and I'm letting them tell me what, you know, because everyone is suffering right now with this economy. And basically what I am doing what I am doing as part of, of the platform and political organization I'm working with is I am listening to the American people. I am listening to what are their problems. I'm listening to what are their main issues. And I am trying to do everything in my power to fight politically within the system to make this country better, to hopefully elect another Ronald Reagan in 2016. So for people like Debbie who don't know what the political process is part of, who have never worked in one campaign in a lifetime, unless you've been inside the process, I find it very hard for someone to argue against it if you don't even, or if you're not even informed of how it works to begin with. And that's why I come back to the statement, I may differ my views and opinions from others, but I do not presume to underestimate what one person may or may not know, and I do not mow down other people's views just because I vehemently disagree with them or I slightly disagree with them. That's what this nation needs is healthy political discourse, and that is what I am to do. That's what I try to do in every way, shape, and form. Go out there, listen to the will of the American people, and let the American people decide in the elections what is going to be the fate of our country. I okay, unfortunately, well, Joe, the system Joe, that we deal with. 
Yeah. As an American person, I'm gonna let you tell. I'm gonna tell you what what's what's a concern for me, and you can tell whoever sure. you are working, whoever's campaign you are working with, you can tell them for me that Agenda 21 is very high on my agenda. Mm-hmm. Very high well, on my you agenda. Know, well, and also, yeah, as you said, that that's her niche. That's what we were talking about tonight. I think she's showing a lot of frustration that uh, we here on the show have uh, shown uh, our frustration with uh, the political process, with the two-party duopoly, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, yep. in, in specifically the Republican Party, and where, we, you know, now they're even in power, and, and you wouldn't know it by what's, you know, getting passed, who's getting uh, appointed, you know, things that are going through. I mean, you wouldn't know that the Republicans had both the House and the Senate at this point in time. Um, so, uh, you know, I see, I see, I hear the frustration. I we, we heard frustration where people were talking about, you know, alternative parties, you know, maybe constitution parties or libertarian or what have you, uh, because they're, you know, whether people think, well, they can't win, you know, re, re, you know, regardless, it still is that, the reality is, is people are are sick of it, and con, you know, conservatives are are fed up uh, with the the two party system. They feel like, and a lot of people are feeling like, well, it is just you know a one party system anymore. And you know they're they're, they're showing their, their their frustration and their aggravation with it. And some folks think uh, feel that unless something like that, something in the duopoly, the two party system changes, then we're going to continue to you know, go down in the spiraling path that uh, that we continue to go. Now, 2016, you know, we were hoping it don't turn out like 2012. And Joe, I, I agree with you. With you know, two, whoever gets elected in 2016 uh, can definitely be a, a pivotal point in you know turning things around. But I guess the concern is, yeah. is you know, since they're not talking about some, you know, they're talking about the same topics, they're talking about the same things. Um, they can't talk about what they've been doing in the House and the Senate because, as I said. It doesn't appear like they're doing much, if anything, to curtail Obama. I mean, as, as our guest last week pointed out, uh, I don't know if you made that show, uh, 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 Joe, the, the gentleman we had on last week was pointing out, he says, you know, o- o- Obama's gotten pr- pretty much 95% of what he's wanted. You know, uh-huh. and I mean, even, you know, so he, he probably has gotten more accomplished of what he's wanted to accomplish as president than any other president has in uh, modern history. I agree. I agree, yeah. Robert. I agree. And, you know, Robert, what sickens me is we've had 229 years to have a movement, if we wanted to, to change this process. And that's the frustration nope. that I have. We've had 229 mm-hmm. years. And out of all the movements, pivotal movements that we've had in American history that has transformed us, not enough people decided that changing the electoral process or the political mm-hmm. process was important enough to make a movement. Robert, I believe in my right. heart, had more Americans been as determined as the civil rights movement, I believe today the electoral process would be different. I believe today our political system would be different, and I believe today we would have a third party because it took the GOP 30 years to organize. But that is my frustration is that so many people want to knock the political process, but these are the same people, generations and generations, who've done nothing significantly to 
to actually change them with actions. So I am not saying that I'm conforming to the system. What I am saying is I am dealing, fortunately, like the civil rights movement, we did not have anything such as the political process revolution of let's change Mm -hmm. this system. And we've had ample time to do so. So I can only work with you in front of me. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? But believe me, I wish... I wish someone would have had a movement, a political process movement 40 years ago, and had they done so, I believe today we wouldn't be down to a two-party system. I believe in my heart and soul that we would have a third party, a viable third-party alternative. But I have to say, um, generations of Americans failed to make this an important enough commitment. And if anything has American history have proven is American resilience, you see. When Americans want something bad enough, history has shown and transcended that when Americans want change, we make change happen. And history shows that pattern. And history also shows when not enough people really truly want that change, then Americans have done nothing. No. sit there and just watch. And that's the and, sad, and, and, true reality. Okay, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring it over back to you, Kelly. But first, uh, folks, and I, you know, you heard it first here on Bard. Well, maybe not first here. I, I won't be, uh, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. But maybe, maybe you, I'll say that. Maybe you've heard this first here on Bard's Logic Political Talk, but I know you have at least heard it here where I said, that both Fox News and the establishment will have Marco Rubio will be their golden boy. And already, only in May of 2015, Fox News poll, Rubio jumps to head of 2016 GOP PAC. So I wonder if the, you know, if someone yeah. else jumps in. As I said, Marco Rubio is going to be the Fox News channels and the uh, the Republican establishment, at least that's, that's how I see things as they stand now. Could the change, perhaps? But all I'm saying is that's what uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, and you know what you know what they say about polls, especially this far out. Um, so yeah, it sounds like uh, they may already be starting. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems <laughs> like they're already trying to set the. <laughs> yeah, they're they're already looks like they're already trying to set the stage. Uh, for Rubio, as you know, right. uh, pointed out. But anyway, that being said, I'm also looking for uh, some polls. If anyone knows of a good uh, polling uh, website or anything of that nature, because usually my research skills uh, hone out. But for some reason, I'm having trouble finding some polls for the uh, GOP primary for the gubernatorial race in Kentucky. So if anyone finds anything on that, uh, please just send me a message. Uh, or go to the Bard's Logic Political Talk contact page and let me know where I can find a good page. I want to see where Matt Bevan is, how Matt Bevan is doing. I have, uh, being in uh, Ohio here, uh, seen a few commercials with Bevan at least a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of trying to keep up with his campaign uh, because the, floor, uh, the Kentucky primary, so for your Kentucky listeners out there, uh, is on May 19th. And so uh, I checked it out, and, you know, if the candidates, uh, you know, we did MF Bevan on the show, uh, and I have, you know, done some research on the other candidates and found them lacking uh, with Bevan. They definitely seem more 
uh, like Insiders than, than Bevin is. So uh, check that out. If anyone's got a good Jenny. poll, let me know. Yeah, let's, let's, go, let, let, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, right, Kelly. Caller, I'll get that out. Yeah, this caller has uh, some interesting concerns because, you know, we have a, a beast, if you will, a beast that's gone ugly and scared people, and we have to attack the beast with as many swords, many spears, and many angles as we can. And I, I you know, Debbie does have her focus, and in some ways, I agree in the future if it continues the way it was, I said in some ways. Um, but, I, you know, everybody that I've I come across, so many liberty-minded people across this country, I just want to go down this list that I wrote. For example, Keith Broders is working on exposing the comprehensive annual financial report. He believes that's number one. Jim Condit believes uh, precinct strategy is number one. David Callahan, the full Second Amendment, which is a well-regulated militia. You got Debbie, of course. We had her on. Mike Warkin believes representation. We don't have enough. When you hear him, we got to get him on the show. It's stunning. Yeah, but I mean, Brian, he's in local city council. Obviously, that's his number one thing. Christine Timmons, she was focusing on um, immigration in the hands of the state. Gabriel Griffin, we all know him, or we should. Federal Reserve, he's exposed that. Me, I'm on the grand jury. That's my focus. We got talk show folks. You know, we got. Um, well, here we got local uh, Tea Party lady. She's been doing quite a bit of good service for the community in, in hosting the Tea Party. That's a lot of work. She communicates things we call our legislatures about. That's cool. You know, Ron Paul's going all over the country. He's talking. You got um, Cheryl Blychester. She's on the water boards. Matt Bevins is running for governor. Dan Johnson with Panda, and now he's with Solutions Institute. Uh, we've got all our specialties. And this is the swords and the spears coming from all over the place to cut this beast down to size. And as long as we can continue to support each other in our specialties, then I think we're going to really keep moving forward. I see so much division. I see so much fault-finding with liberty-minded people. Why? I don't know. This is our greatest weakness as a team is when we cut down others or say negative things or cast a little bit of doubt, it, it's really, we have to get behind each other and support each other. I may have lost, lost a, a local ally in Liberty because she doesn't understand what I'm doing. Um, I see what's coming through our own planning, our own system, which, by the way, a quick nutshell, this is what scares me the most about this ordinance. It was written... Uh, it's the, the direction of the writing is Greg Plucker, which he seems like a decent guy. He has four departments, planning, building, environmental health, and number four, flood. He's not an elected person. He is directing government agents to write a law that affects private property. Last night we had a planner there. And with the chain of command, if you understand how this works, so the planning department works on this ordinance. They pass it up to the planning commission. Planning commission is appointed people. Each county supervisor appoints one. You got five commissioners, five supervisors. So the the planning commission, who do they rely on? The planning department again. Government agents writing a law affecting private property. All right. So well, they rely real heavily. I asked uh, Rico last night. He's the planner of the spoke. How often do they rely on you? And he said, Well, I've been here two and a half years. It's been 100 percent. They rely on his recommendation. So this, the, the 
commission says, oh, okay, well, we heard the public comments, we pass it up to supervisors. Who do they rely on? The planning commission, who do they rely on? Government agents who are not elected writing laws on private property. Does this raise a red flag to you? What is going on here? And my theme is that we have to look at this very carefully because there's a third effect. And I've been very concerned, sometimes chastised, had a tongue lashing from somebody I thought they would have known better. Well, I, I just, I'm not sure how well they know their constitution or the history of land. Now land used to be easily developed without planners involved at all. And simple thesis, land use is sacred unless you harm your neighbors. It's that simple. But the planning department decided to get in. Oh, over here we're going to have R1, R2. Oh, there's going to be industrial. Oh, by the way, now we're going to reach out into the counties. And by the way, the whole thing was started by Ebenezer Howard, who had socialist leanings, hung out with a lot of socialists in the early 1900s. He did his garden city. He wanted to have a sustainable community. And so he did his first planning, but he bought land doing it, 1,700 acres. I think it's called Whitsworth or Wetzelville in England. But that whole concept of zoning didn't even exist. 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, didn't exist. In America, 1900s, building department in California, 1960, I believe it was 62 or 64. And then pretty soon you've got all these building codes, and you've got these, well, you can do this and you can't do that. And we're going to go out surveying tomorrow because some guy is, is one foot too close to his property line, or he might be on the property. We don't know. What's wrong with 20, 20 feet as a setback? And we've got to make sure he's at 20 feet. One foot plus or minus a grand variance. Well, we could be sued. It's it's so frustrating all the stuff that's happened. I mean, you look in, you look in, so let's go back to 1950. You wanted to do a parcel split, you hire a surveyor. You might want to set your corners, don't have to. You hire a surveyor, write a legal description, you record it with the county, you're done. This is before the planning farm came in. Okay, so what does that mean? The natural market forces of supply and demand kept housing prices low. You took that supply, subdivision map back here in California, 1970, March 26. Within 10 years, the price of homes tripled, almost tripled, from 26,000 to 76,000. Gee, you choke the supply, what happens? Now, the planners did this. You look at the Communist Manifesto, right, and the planning system is perfect. And you bring in the environmental regulations to the planning department. You want to do a CEQA EIR, you want to do a subdivision, you've got to go to the planning department. This is just been frightening, and, and seeing this, and you start giving government agents power over your land, when some guy stands up in front of the Tea Party and says, well, the general plan is the constitution of land use, are you out of your freaking mind? Um, you know, I, I, I'm just... Uh, and another guy at the Tea Party last night, he pointed out about this ordinance, this was brilliant. So, you know, we got three branches of government, but it looks like two two branches the legislative and the executive, which is co-compliance officers of the executive, and you've got the um, supervisors passing the law. We only have two branches of government here, folks, in place of three. Ooh, I didn't think about this. And they have the power to lean your property. It's just like, hello, we have to look at this a lot more carefully. So seeing in a very highly conservative county, all right, where there are three token Democrats, Man, I'd say that in jest, but there's a few more. But to actually have this getting as far as it has, I can see how Agenda 21 has snuck in left and right all over the country. And it's frightening. It's, just, it's like, can't you see it? Don't you know the history of land development? 
it's like, oh, my gosh. So down the road, if they have their way, it gets a little bit scary. And I'm not, I'm not talking just here, but all over the country from what I've seen here, it's just like people. And they, well, and you they remember have how you remember how Rosa Cora started out uh, uh, investigating Agenda 21. She was just a she's a Democrat. She's a liberal Democrat. Right, that's true. And she she was in the real estate uh, business, and she she could see what was going on in the real estate business. It was all about Agenda 21, and she began to look into it, and and that's how she started with hers. It's it's everywhere. If she's old enough, if she's old enough, she will have seen the stories of subdividing land quickly with a county uh, with a licensed surveyor recorded in the county surveyor's or county recorder's office. You're done. None of this VIR, this that. Oh, you got to get permission from the tithing because, oh goodness, you know it, it got so bad in Oregon. <clears throat> so I had a piece of property on Folsom Lake down in Sacramento. One time it was it was 20 acres. It was zoned five acres. Oh, I can cut it up into four. Oh, then they changed the zoning to 10 acres. Oh, then they changed it to 20 acres. Oh, and then you got to have a, a secondary road in case of fire. Like, why don't you just tell us get out of the country? That's what they're saying. Get out of the country. Get in the schools so we can bring wash your kids. Let's jack the price of homes up so your both mom and dad have to work. And then what has to happen here? Right. Oh, goodness. Mom and dad are working so much to pay for their mortgage that they can't afford because we choke the supply of land that you just, oh, we get your kid at age five. How about the first five program? And then preschool. And we get to indoctrinate them with all sorts of socialist crap, like the environment. This is no accident. And I get so frustrated that people can't see it. I feel like a lone wolf. And I even got accused of lying. It's not the facts are there. It's absolutely there. You know, I didn't state it the way precisely they would have liked it to state. But I'm, I'm getting some Tea Party people are like, they're not sure they like what I'm doing. I was like, well, did you study the history? Would you allow me to explain? It's, it's frustrating. And it's, if it's getting stuck in here, it's getting stuck in other places so much more easily when they have willing Agenda 21 people in power. And then, by the way, the planning department, you don't have to have a license. I had to take 20, 21, either 21 or 22 hours of exam. They would go to college to get my magic badge so I could stamp drawings and run my own business. Planners, nothing. Nothing, literally. That's what the planner said today. He got a job a long time ago because he happened to write well. What's that mean? You can get these freak environmentalists sneaking in, play professional with an agenda, and you don't know until it's too late. I mean, it's just like this is a serious problem. And look at what this has done to the family. You chose a supply of land. Mom has to work. Divorces go up. Oh, and by the way, that actually happened in the 70s. There were some divorces that were just starting to increase quite substantially. Yeah, because mom had to work now. Um, I mean, let's see. Tennis, the Communist Manifesto. Let's, this, let's um, you know, government control of all private property. That's kind of a duh. Let's erase a line between yeah. county and, and, and city. I can understand planning in the city, but then they reached out into the county. Well, yeah, well, speaking of Rosa Cory, I just I was just looking at uh, some past episodes, uh, folks. And do you believe that it's been two years since Rosa has been on the show? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Rosa Cory, 
It's been two years since she's been on the phone about. Uh, she was on the. Uh, let's see if I can get a, uh, the date here. Um, oh, we had we had her on the, the show. Well, yeah, two years ago. Can you believe that? It's been that long yeah, ago already. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, does it? No, we, but been, it, it has been. But we've been doing this show a long time, haven't we? <laughs> wow. Yeah, but go ahead, Kelly. But I do say we only got about uh, four minutes before I got to close things out. So let's go ahead and uh, okay, get well, the closing let, comments, let Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Let, let, me, let me do a quick thing. Oregon had a statewide initiative, all right? If you change my zoning to, to five acres to 10 acres and 20 acres and 40, you have just devalued my property. Mm-hmm. The people there passed an initiative. The Supreme Court judge in, in Oregon said, nope, sorry. But the initiative said, you either have to go back to the zoning you had before or you get compensated. So then they passed a constitutional amendment. It got shot down again by a judge. I, it, it, really? I can see how this is sneaking in. That's my whole thing here. I can see how Agenda 21 is sneaking in. And with that, uh, go ahead, and I'll have to start uh, closing things out uh, for tonight. I want to thank, of course, our guest for uh, coming on and staying uh, additionally long for us, even though she had some family coming in. It was good to have you on, Joe. Uh, So, of course, we welcome you back on the show. And I think uh, you may be coming on the show uh, more so as the 2016 uh, gets closer and closer, and we'll be talking more about the election. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, we did. I did have uh, Dan on the line for a little bit, but unfortunately he uh, was having some technical difficulties, uh, so he wasn't able to uh, stay on. So, uh, Dan, if you're listening to this and listen to the podcast, uh, of course you were sorely missed, uh, but we'd like to have you back uh, on. And then, of course, uh, Cindy uh, and then Kelly for bringing uh, my attention to uh, Debbie to uh, get her on the show. And I got to give her this. Uh, it was kind of short notice before we we, we did concrete things. Um, and well, I think the last time I spoke to her was on Monday when we actually finalized things for her to come on. So I really appreciate uh, her coming on and making concrete things just on that short notice. And I'm still working on actually speaking up to the folks for the next couple of weeks, uh, just confirming some things uh, with them as well. But it looks like uh, we will have uh, guests that we've had on full of – uh, weeks ago, uh, he, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, gosh, it was back when uh, Timmons was running uh, for lieutenant governor. He was running for governor. And so we'll be having Mr. Tolbert back on, uh, not next week, but the week after that. And then we've got uh, some other folks getting lined up, so getting excited about that. Uh, but it looks like uh, we'll have to say uh, we have to call it a night again. So for folks, uh, definitely check out two things. One, uh, the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com and also to see a list of our uh, guests that we've had on the show. Uh, you go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. There is also the contact portion where you can uh, contact me, the host, and see if you want to join our email list uh, to get updates on the upcoming and the previous show. And, again, that's www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And so, folks, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is from the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. 
So thank you again, folks, and have a good night, and we will see you next week. Take care and good night. 